0: What's up man
1: hey man how's it going dude glad to uh, glad to have you on i'm always looking for guests i I've got about like fifty people i've talked to to come on, and uh i'm already like super anxious to like yeah. to i'm having this other guy today for just a different spot the mute like we're just talking music but
0: um i'm excited this is a great studio man
1: thanks dude and like i'm I'm pumped about when I get that background behind you done. I think my audio, I just got to play with some connections yesterday. Like I recorded the video and it was good. We just got to get the lighting all taken care of. So, yeah, which is actually like, I'm going to be able to r- light this whole room for less than 50 bucks. got You gotta get a dimmer and uh, I'm going to, you still use those b- like bulbs, but just a different fixture. So yeah. I'm going to run it like where I can actually plug it in the wall and use a dimmer with like some heavier bulbs. I can take like a 150 watt bulb and dim it down. Yeah. But, uh, I should have that up by next week, so next time we come on, we can do audio and video. That's been, like, such a hang-up, and, like, I just don't want to match the audio and video again. But, again, so like if you watch Joe Rogan's podcast, he'll have, like, uh, like a live on YouTube. So mm-hmm. I only watch it on YouTube. I yeah. never listen to it. And, like, everybody else that I know listens to the audio. I but, do both. Uh, yeah, and, I mean, I I did listen to the audio, but I was doing it on my phone. So mm-hmm. I'm just like, well, it's eating my data either way. Right probably a little less on audio because it's less, uh, storage than video. But, um, I noticed, uh, that like he might have 160,000 live viewers on YouTube Mm -hmm. or let's say three weeks after it's uploaded, he's got a million views. The audio listens might be 3 million. Right. And I'm like, what? Like in my mind, just because I consume so much of the video, even though I'm only probably listening to it most of the time, Mm -hmm. it's playing in the background. I didn't realize there was that big of a gap on people who listen versus people that don't. People who use, like, I haven't built the website yet. I'm working on it. Yeah. But people who use his website and his app versus, like, going, casting it on their TV and listening to YouTube and stuff.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I listen to it because <clears throat> I drive to Little Rock for shows so much that. I listen to it in the vehicle on the way to a show. It pumps me up. I like me too, getting dude. in that I mindset. Do too. Like
1: I can't tell you how many times I've like drove to to Northwest Arkansas or Little Rock or something and the whole way that's what I'm doing. Like, yeah. As soon as I get in the car. And it's like dude like a uh, couple of days ago, the golden snitch, Jeff Nowitzki is yes. on there. It's like or, or like Rhonda Patrick for that and you get the notification on your phone, and you're like, Yes, I can't wait. Yeah. And I that's like I, I was telling somebody the other day, it's like Cor and I don't have We haven't had cable in years. I haven't just been streaming on Chromecast and YouTube and Netflix. That's exactly what I do. Dude, and it's like, I like it. Hulu's got the commercials. I don't really, I don't even really watch that very much. But for like newer stuff, it's good. But. I just like that's like something like Joe Rogan's podcast or I listen to some other podcasts like that's where I get commentary on the events and then I might want to go look them up. But man, even like the news articles that are being pushed to my Facebook are just total garbage. Yeah,
0: it's all clickbait and ads for something else.
1: Yeah, and like now I don't know if you notice this, but like, you know how you've been getting the video ads on Facebook Mm -hmm. now, like if I like for like BJ com for example. They, they are alpha team alpha male. Like I follow both those pages on Facebook and yeah. I'm about to unfollow them because every time I click a blog and I get it, you know, I wish my blog had ads on it or whatever. Right. But every time I click a blog, it's like in five seconds, mm-hmm. this ad, you can close it, but you can't close it. It's just like the YouTube video ads and stuff. It's like uh kind of delays your ability to scroll or like it'll go off to another page mm-hmm. when I'm trying to read
0: about, The most frustrating thing is I follow UFC on Fox. I love the UFC and their Facebook page. I don't know if it's because of Fox advertisement deals or what, but when you start watching a video, enough of the video will play that you get sucked in like two, three minutes. And then it's got a second ad before you get to the end. And it's so frustrating because it takes you out of the video. And then you're not even paying attention to the video anymore. You just want to never watch UFC on Fox again on Facebook. Dude. I'm so,
1: I don't have all the details on this. I haven't, Read about it in a couple of weeks, but as far as I know, they did not renew the UFC on Fox deal because Disney bought Fox. Right. And but I heard Joe Rogan talking about this about how I, said, I have UFC Fight Pass. Mm-hmm. That is so do I. like I pay. Oh, dude, it's so good. I love it. Like I would not give people my login, <laughs> but um, the UFC and HBO does this now. Like they get to where like if you have someone else's login and, like, say I'm using your HBO Go login mm-hmm. and I'm watching Game of Thrones over here and you go to watch Game of Thrones, it won't let you.
2: Really? Yeah,
1: would be like, ah, we see that this is playing somewhere else. Maybe you should you. turn that off. Yeah. And UFC Fight Pass is, like, Sometimes, cause I always cast from my phone to the Chrome mm-hmm. and I have, I have it on my Roku where I can use the actual app, Yeah. but it'll, it'll, it'll see that it's playing on my phone and like get, I don't know, like the signal of like going to the Chromecast. So it's playing on the Chromecast too. And it's like, like there's some weird issue where I like have to turn off my router, turn it back on and it's on the TV and then they connect up somehow. I haven't really researched it, but yeah, it won't let you play two places in once. And that's like a lot of digital streaming service. I don't think Netflix has that now, but the whole getting your buddies login thing yeah. might be going by the wayside. Maybe that's why they want to do that net neutrality thing so they can have a little more control. I mean, that's you gotta think that's got to be some hard harder technology to do coding and stuff for. Like, right? Are you ripping off the system and giving your buddy your login? We're gonna know about it, like, cause they, I mean, how I, I, they gotta trace to, like mm-hmm. have a mechanism that sees it's streaming on two different IPs, right? so ip address yeah yeah anyway well uh so what uh where where all you been doing stand-up at man you've been hitting open mics have you been getting any bookings like people hitting you up yet
0: both i started with open mics and me and my buddy garrison we went to the Looney bend because i'd never seen a live stand-up show i'd love stand-up ever since i was a kid and Dude, well, me
1: me too. I love watching specials. I love that Netflix is doing so much. I know. Did you
0: watch that new Chappelle special yet? I've seen the first one. I haven't I have, seen the second I haven't one. Seen it yet. Oh I haven't my seen gosh, it. it's so good. Yeah, but uh, like we went and there was a comedian from Oklahoma. His name's Billy Bazaar, and met him after the show. And I had already had notes on my phone from ideas for bits and jokes that I had, and I was just talking to him about. it. I was like, yeah, I've been thinking about it, and I wasn't trying to be like a groupie and be like, oh yeah, I'm trying to think about doing stand-up too, but I was genuinely asking him questions, and he put me in touch with a guy in Little Rock named Paul Hodge, who set me up with an open mic, and that's how I got started, and I've been doing open mics around Little Rock. We went to Dallas and did some. I saw that, dude. That's awesome.
1: Have you uh, made it as far down as Houston yet?
0: No, I haven't made it to Houston yet, but I am going to the Joe Rogan Show on the 26th in Houston. Nice. Dude, check
1: this out. So, like, when Corey and I went to Vegas last year, I got to go um, see two UFCs in the T-Mobile arena. It was Michael Johnson versus Justin Gagey, which was like a barn burner. We went down to, like, that old part of Vegas where they have, like, the free concerts and stuff all the time. And, um, they were already like, there's tons of people down there and they're like, did you hear about that fight? It was like on a TV up here. And it was like, they had set a record for like most strikes thrown in a round or something. Yeah. And most punches thrown in a round. But, um, when we were there, like, I think, we, I think it was Sunday night, yeah. uh, John Paul DeGioia from, uh, Patron, the guy that founded Patron and Paul Mitchell hair products. Yeah. Um, he gave the keynote speak, uh, speech for this, uh, like conference we were at for Mm -hmm. uh, martial arts school owners and uh the very next day in that same theater i forget i think we're at the mgm grand and it was like the um kc theater or something like that it was it's a real popular theater it's super nice they have like these weird little like terraces where you can like stand but it's like a spiral staircase kind of to get up it. i believe it's like multi-levels it was a cool place to uh listen to a keynote yeah um and the very next day, while we were at the Michael Johnson, Justin Gagey fight, Joe Rogan was doing stand up there. And I'm just like, man, that would be. And it was like his new special or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I would have, and I think it's the one that just came out on Netflix. But man, I would have loved to have seen that. And it's like we were in the room it was at the day before. Yeah. What what were tickets for that?
0: Um, they're, I got them for Christmas. So I'll have to go back and look. Best My, Christmas. I know. I was so excited. But I mean, Joe Rogan's why I got started into stand up. I heard him. Because I've been listening to him for years, but him telling his friends not only to start a podcast, but it's like, hey, you're funny. You could be a stand-up. And just hearing him tell normal people that, I was like, I, oh, I know, can do it too.
1: What's fascinating to me, um, I've been turned on to like, so many good comedians from watching Joe Rogan's podcast. Like yeah. Joey Diaz. Oh, my God. Yeah, long yeah. yeah, dude. I love Joey Diaz. But do you ever watch Fighter and the Kid? Yes. So... I, I watch that considerably less, but when things come up and I love it when like Joey Diaz or somebody's on there and yeah. I, I like watching it. It's more like I catch it when I can, but i watch about it every Joe Rogan mm-hmm. and I like loop back and watch the archive all the time. Yeah. I've rewatched that Paul Stamets one, the the mushroom hat guy.
0: I've seen that one once, yeah. but I haven't been back. I'm to watch on it my third
1: again. time, dude. It is so good. Like how he's like talking about neurogenesis. Mm-hmm. I like, I believe that if I'm not mistaken, the last Rhonda Patrick episode, she was hitting on neurogenesis. It was either, it was. She's talked about it before, but just like rerouting your neural pathways yeah. through better diet or whatever, fascinating stuff. Um, but did you see on Fighter and the Kid how Joey Diaz was talking to Brendan Schwab about Brendan Schwab doing his first stand-up? Dude, that was such like a touching story. Yeah. It's like a 15-minute clip I caught, Like, and it. I was watching it. And, and, but he was just like, I saw you. You, you you came and you watched the stand up and blah, blah, blah. I was setting in the audience that I watched you. It was when you were on the ultimate fight of season 10. And right. he just goes on. He's like, I saw you watching. Like kind of like what you're saying. Like you've got like a look, like you're, you're analyzing. Mm-hmm. You're breaking it down. I'm the same way. Like that's, that's honestly, like I've been wanting to do this podcast for over a year. And what I was trying to do for a while is um, the guys helping me do my lighting in here. Mm-hmm. I was gonna, I was like, hey, I want to – they did a lot of videos for us for the gym, still do. Yeah. And uh, I was like, man, I want to start a podcast, blah, 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 You know, I might want to do like one a month, one a week. I don't I don't really know what my frequency is going to be. And it was just going to be like – I was going to get them to come do it like at the gym. Yeah. I have, a, I have two offices at the gym. And I was like, man, it's just too hard to do something like that at the gym. It's always come and go traffic three times a day. Right. And it was going to be expensive. And I'm like, dude, I could just not start it for a while, kinda save some money. I did some private lessons and just save save some money here and there. I mean, I'm a maybe a stack on all this stuff. Yeah. I already had the table. Um and I've gotten stuff. I probably spent three or four hundred bucks since I got all my original stuff, mm-hmm. you know. But that's been, again, the funnest part of do, is just figuring out how to do all this, how I want to do it, troubleshooting. I mean, it's frustrating at times, like, trying to get the right audio because you got to, like, I, I cast, like, I'll get, like, what's on the camera up on the TV. And you got to sit yeah. there with headphones in the camera because, I mean, things like, um like, evolutions of things I may do, I may end up, that camera is, like, two or three models down from Joe Rogan's. Yeah. Um Same model line, but it's... uh for what I'm doing, it's totally sufficient. It shoots good image Canon Vixia. But that is a cheap enough camera. I think it retailed for 400 bucks, but I bought it like 40% off yeah. for, from Best Buy. And it came with a 64-gig memory card on Cyber Monday. Yeah. So, like, right now, I think they're back up to like 3.5 or something. But I could. that's a cheap enough camera. Like, the Joe Rogan camera is a uh, Vixia. I think it's G10 or G40. I forget what it's called, but they're a thousand bucks a piece. And those dudes are running four and have this thing called a TriCaster. So like when you see him, like when Red Band was their producer, um, you see a lot of different um, shots. You see like, yeah. you'll see like a close, uh, I was watching an older Joey Diaz and you see a close-up on Joey. And then you see a split screen between Joey and Joe, D, uh, and, uh, Joe Rogan. Yeah. So like, you don't really, Jamie never does that, but basically... If you're talking, Jamie is the guy sitting back there and he goes and it goes to your face. Right. So like it cycles the camera. So like I'll always have this shot. Mm-hmm. I can move that around the room if I'm doing a solo and want to do a video. It's like my history podcast. And um but getting a couple other cameras in here and being able to do something like that. The tricaster's a little expensive. Digital like digital audio recorder is something I'm gonna get. Uh but it's cool just like having little evolutions. Like this is the, the super humble beginnings of, you know, just the whole idea of thinking over a year of how do I want to do this? What I want to talk about is, is there, am I going to be able to get guests? And like, it's funny how like everybody that listens to podcasts Mm -hmm. is like, dude, what a great idea. Can I come be on? I'm like, yes, we, we have something we can talk about. It's like, you got a niche with, with comedy, it's like, where else am I going to sit down and talk to a comedian about comedy right. without like going to an open mic night like, or whatever. So that's the cool part. Like I had uh Jesse Weiss. He's a, he's a PhD in sociology and we were going to talk about national parks. He's been like every national park. And mm-hmm. he was going to talk about like the reduction of the national parks. We just ended up talking about star Wars for an hour and 47 minutes. Yeah. I'm like, we can talk about national parks next time, dude. Yeah. No big deal. But, uh, it's uh it's nice like i've got several i've got next friday's guests lined up um i've got you know audio ones like i usually do like well my buddy colby will come over through the week like in the evenings after i get out of the gym early or something and we just hang out and like watch youtube anyway and chill like we've known each other forever and now it's like dude let's just do that back there and just talk about it you know right It's like we watch a lot of the same shows, and, like, we come over and be, like, just BSing about Game of Thrones and stuff. And I'm like, dude, we got to save this for the podcast. We have to record this. Like, just, like, how many conversations you're having with your buddy, and it's, like, a super good conversation. Like, I'm like, man, I wish I would have recorded that so I could listen to it later. Or
0: something funny will happen in a conversation, and the context of the conversation is the only way it's funny. So it's only funny in that moment. You'll never recreate it. Exactly. And yeah. So,
1: like that classic said, Well, I guess you would have had to been
0: there. Right. Yeah. Right.
1: Dude, I'm I in uh I don't know, like I'm I always like creating things. That's what I love about Jujitsu and kickboxing and M M A is like the the creative side of it. How you get to kinda you the way you do a jab or a double leg it's gonna be different like george you remember george yeah like right now for whatever reason his double leg is sick yeah it's never been sick and it's sick and like he just for some reason like he was looking the best in the whole room the other night Mm -hmm. it's like he just gets something different than the rest of the people here he he like saw it differently something that was said and explaining it years of doing it whatever he like Finally, turned a corner literally because mm-hmm. that's what he's doing. He's like dumping them behind him, making them put like their hands on the mat. Yeah, but when he's getting, he's like a perfect lift, but wasn't really carrying a lot of weight. He like broke him over at the waist. Mm-hmm. This is a beautiful, I'm like, dude, like, I mean, his brother, I guess, like his girlfriend's brother, um, since they've been together a long time, is like uh, Henry Reyes. You know him? Mm-hmm. He's a stud collegiate wrestler. And, yeah, uh, he came in the other night, he's in for the holidays he's wrestling at a college in Jonesboro right now. It's like, mm-hmm. a, I think it's a D three school yeah. But around here. It's like, we didn't even have wrestling in the state until Oh yeah. nine. But I'm like, what you been hanging out with Henry or what? And he's like, no, dude, I just, you said do that and mm-hmm. whatever. But it just like made his double different. Everybody's so I'm like, man, that's this, the creative process of like, man, he's been doing doubles for two or three years, at least mm-hmm. uh, probably closer to three plus. And in like, never have they looked that good. And yeah go
0: George. funny you say that because i never thought of myself as a creative person and i was always a real analytical person and that's why i was drawn to engineering and then once i chose to be a stand-up and realized that not only was i good at it but i could work hard and get better and it i found that creative process that i never had before and i love it i told somebody this today like I get I, I had such
1: an urge to do so many things in limited mm-hmm. time because I mean just like today, just stuff at the gym. I did two privates this morning. I've got a couple of privates this evening. I got a guy out there right now. One of my boxers, Tim, is working for me out in the yard. I yeah. do a private lesson with him. He's he's been boxing like crazy. I think he's had five fights in the last six weeks or something like that. Wow. Yeah. He had two two weeks in a row, had a week off, then fought I think another two weeks in a row or had like week off week on week off week on and then had a couple weeks off and fought again i'm just like dang dude. man but um he's super active and he won wa- he like he's on christmas break right now and like lives over in dardanelle like closer to like danville area like out in mm-hmm. the middle of nowhere and he's just like i just my like, dude come come rake my gravel in my driveway and i'll do a lesson with you and yeah he's like yes and man he's he's the best boxer i've got like Went from like two thirty or something down to one sixty five. Wow! In the last like year plus, and went from like no real, really didn't have anything. You mm-hmm. know, like like that was me like growing up. Like I never found anything to level me out. You're saying like, yeah, I went to engineering and I dropped out of college because I didn't know what I wanted to do the first time for like three years. Yeah, and went back and then started making three fives and made a four in my on my graduate degree a four point oh. But like I was like a see average student in high school had no idea what i wanted to do played football got into playing music still into playing music but i never found like that thing that's like man that's super easy for me but like being analytical and like having a like a logical list making i'm always like trying to order offer operations things mm-hmm. that's why i like doing martial arts but i got into martial arts after high school yeah and it just like took over and it's it's crazy how much that and even just what little bit I've been doing the podcast and I'm teaching a class at Moralton next semester history class, how much that's just all leveling me out. Right. Just like, cause before I would try and get like everything out in a blog post, mm-hmm. which I have to pass on to my web guy, which he may or may not post yeah. when I want it to be posted. Right. And, uh, it's just like, Oh, like I had a seminar I taught a few months ago in Northwest Arkansas and, I had two blogs I got to him. Like, I'll get him blogs for like three months at a time. And I'm like, hey, I need these posted so we can share them and get them out. And, man, I just go on about my day. It's like I wrote the blog. I sent you the thing. I pay you monthly. A lot of money, several hundred dollars. Get this up for me. And and then he schedules it to share to my page. And I just, like, forgot about it. And then, like, I look like the week of the seminar. Mm -hmm. And nothing's been posted. And I'm like, dude. Wow. So like with these, I can upload these and post them myself. I'm building my podcast site on Squarespace right now. Yeah. So versus having it outsourced, we have four websites. So I'm trying to get those downsized a little bit and get in where I can make actually make my own blog posts. But man, like we've been going 20 minutes. If we go an hour and a half, if we go two hours, if we go three hours. It doesn't matter because right. that's like the amount of time it takes me to write a blog, and mm-hmm. then I can't even upload it. Yeah. You know, like that's been something like I've been on the grind learning Photoshop. I should have done it so much uh, sooner, but learning how to do these types of things that way I don't have mm-hmm. to outsource them. And it's not like this is the most minimalistic time. Like I'm going to hit stop and I can go up here to um, share and put it directly on iTunes. Yeah. It's like unless I, I, and, like, and like I'm getting down. So like the other night I didn't do it and then I had to go back and listen to where I thought it was. But I like – somebody says something super outlandish that I might need to edit out, which has happened at least once. I'm yeah. like forty-seven <laughs> twenty-two, And that's not a distraction, but it's just like, that's why uh, like Joe Rogan has had Brian Redband or young Jamie. Mm-hmm. That's what, other than hitting the button, changing the angles. Yeah. They're doing that and making notes of, we talked about this here. Like you have to edit all that in after the fact. Yeah. And I, I'm figuring out too like on the camera signal mm-hmm. or on the TV signal going to the mixer, there's a way I can record that audio. And there's a way that I can just get it in our earphones, but not record it. Mm. So I'm figuring that out. So that's a cool part too. Is like, so for like YouTube copyrights, right. And then this, what you're editing in after the fact. And that, that's another cool part about doing is just figuring that stuff out. Like, but man, back on that, um, the comedy thing, let's to Joe Rogan talk about the process. That's exactly how I do my jiu-jitsu, bro. Dude,
0: I, that's how I explain it to people. When people ask me about stand-up, I tell them it's verbal jujitsu. It's the same grind. It's the same work, work ethic. It's the same creativity. And it's the same long process where, like... Refinement. For, right. And, like, if you consider someone like Joey Diaz, Joe Rogan, Brian Callen, a uh, black belt, I'm a white belt. And so I'm doing white belt things. I'm learning fundamentals. I'm learning the basics. I'm learning how to put the mic stand down. I'm learning how to talk to a crowd, how to be comfortable on stage. Man,
1: the, the most fascinating part of that, of the whole process to me of stand up comedy, not mm-hmm. being, not being a comedian at all, or really having any, like, it's not that I wouldn't like in 10 years. I may want to do something like that. I don't know. right But, um, That's like what Brendan Schwab, why I'm fascinated is because apparently I haven't been able to see any of his or hear any of his stuff, Mm -hmm. but apparently he's good. Yeah. Like he did this story night and like when Joey Diaz is talking about that, like, it teared me up a little bit. Yeah. Because like, he's like, man, you just, you just really, you just told such a good story, man. And it's like Joey Diaz is a storyteller. Right. So like if that dude's telling you, you told a good story and and he thought you were going to come up and do a bit. Yeah. But you really knocked it out of the park. And it's like – and, like, he was talking about how critical he was going to be of him. He's like, yeah, I'll just – you know, what you're doing in the stand-up, where you're a
3: fighter. Yeah. You
1: know, and it's like, yeah, I get that. And, like, if you – I think if you had that humble approach, but the, the most fascinating part is, like, how – how he's like, you got to be writing. You got to be writing. You got to be writing. And, like, Joe's it's like, okay, I write it down. And this is how I do all my jiu I write everything down. Mm-hmm. Then I digitize it. Then I'll take it from, like, the rough – Mm-hmm. into a Word document or an Excel sheet, just depending on what the project is. And then I'll refine it from there. And then it's like if, let's say, I'm doing something for our member site, like filming videos or if the YouTube, I've already had two processes of refinement. So when it comes time to film, I've already been through that. Right. You know, so like, and it kind of seems like just listening to them talk, like that's the way a lot of the stand-ups have like the write, writing process and grind down is they just... Are always writing, always yeah. revising their material, and just like when I do half guard, like we're doing half guard right now, and it's gonna be probably a few more months before that comes up intensely, like mm-hmm. several months. And when it comes up again, like I'll go back to those notes again and be like, "Oh, this gets refined even more." Right. And then there's new stuff that's come up, and and it's just it's a fascinating process. It's a creative process.
0: Yeah. I love it. My uh, writing process is very similar to what you just described. It starts with a notepad. I write an idea down. I type it out on a computer, and I'm editing it in my mind. Then I go on stage, and I'm thinking I'm going to say it verbatim. I have it verbatim memorized, but when you're on stage, you just feel it out and depend on what the audience is doing. and Then I audio record that as soon as I get off stage and I get home. Well, I usually do shows far away from Russellville, so I'll have a drive home. On the drive, I'm thinking about how it went. Yeah. I get home. First thing I do, I put the audio on my computer, listen to it. What are you using notes. to record? My curiosity. phone. Just your just phone. My iPhone.
1: Yeah. Um. You know. I and I have one, and I want to get a way nicer one. I'm and there's so many options, but the digital audio recorder. I have one I used like when I was in school. Yeah. Like, just taking college classes, but. Um, It'll record like up to twelve hours of really clean audio. Yeah. But I can I can use that for what I'm doing in here, but it's just not like this device is like at the time I bought it man maybe ten years ago. Yeah. Maybe not that long, maybe eight years ago. It was like a forty or fifty dollar device and it was like the biggest memory on the on those you could get at the time. Yeah. I told people the first flash drive I bought was five hundred and twelve megabytes and it was like forty bucks. When wow. I started school. Now it's like you get like a seventy or, or like or whatever gig or sixty four yeah. gig and it's like ten bucks or some shit. Yeah. But uh like I want to get one of those. Uh Zoom makes some really nice digital audio recorders to like why I was asking that is uh I didn't know if you're upload like some people and I guess it, it, it uh, depends on like the venue if they're mm-hmm. trying to do stuff with your performance or you have to sign. I don't know how that works really. But um you could quite literally have like it's sound guy or whoever jack your mp3 recorder into their soundboard yeah and get super clean audio kind of like what i'm doing in here mm-hmm. and then you could take that that bit and it's like if you kill it one night and upload that to your itunes or your yeah. youtube or whatever
0: Huh? i'd like to talk to them about that my thing is is that i've only released one of my bits or one of my jokes online because everything one i'm so new but everything is – I'm always working on it. So I could kill it one night with that bit. And then three weeks later, I think of a tag, and now it's not the same thing anymore, and it's better. And so I don't want the old one released. I want the new one released. Yeah, isn't that, it, yeah.
1: You know what? Like li- bands live versus not live. Mm-hmm. That's why I like, um, like a stand-up special that's in front of a live audience mm-hmm. versus like you can even, – even a studio audience I feel like is a little different yeah. um, to where it's like, you know, no, we're just recording here – Joe Rogan's doing this night at the theater like I was talking about and we're recording that for a Netflix special or whatever. He's in Colorado doing it. I think it's where his last special was recorded. Yeah. But it's fascinating to me <clears throat> how uh he can just uh have a good a good night or a bad night, right? And like I've seen right. I've seen comedians live where it's like uh like Mike Birbiglia would be an example. Like I've seen him absolutely kill it and yeah. then be like little drier. I've watched like almost all of his stand ups that mm-hmm. I, all I could get my hands on, but like enough to enough different specials or like a spin off special where he's telling some of the same bits mm-hmm. or like watching him on YouTube and it's like, Yeah, he didn't really kill it as much there. But I noticed bands when they release an album like Widespread Panic's my like my favorite band of all time right now. Since John Ferchani's no longer playing guitar for the Chili Peppers <laughs> since two thousand nine. <laughs> so they're like they're my favorite band, but their albums are really—I mean, don't get me wrong—they're good. Yeah, some of their songs are awesome on their albums, but nothing compares to their live performance. Like I've heard that about the Rolling Stones. Yeah, uh, I saw Roger Waters from Pink Floyd um, twice in 2017 dude like any that was better to me than any rendition I've ever seen on YouTube or anything of Pink Floyd with David Gilmore and Roger Waters yeah it blew me away and then like that's another thing like I know that some concerts don't want you to record and I'm Mm -hmm. sure like you doing stand-up bits you feel the same way right but like I was looking and I'm gonna start trying to do this a little bit like a DSLR or something if I can get them in but this guy I go with, he records periodically, uh, like, one song a show and puts them on his YouTube.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's, like, he has a little DSL. It looks like a digital camera, which yeah. is usually pretty cool about coming. But, like, the song Dogs by Roger Waters on YouTube, I'm talking, like, a, from Up in the Nosebleeds, shitty iPhone version. Yeah. that has, like, 100,000 views on YouTube. And I'm just, like, why didn't I record Dogs right. while I was there, you know? Uh, right. But that's, like, something that – and, well, like – I kind of ethically have not like an issue with it, but like I get why they don't want you to do it. Yeah. And I also like, man, I think that the whole Spotify thing, I have Spotify and I pay for it. Mm -hmm. And I actually like, I've heard enough musicians talk about it now that I feel guilty about it. They get paid like 0.0000009 cents per listen. That's why bands like Tool are yeah. like, no, if you, we're not putting our stuff on Spotify. Led Zeppelin wasn't on Spotify for like the first year I had it, and then they finally put all their stuff on it. I was like, thank you. Yeah. It, but it's just a selfish thing. It's like that doesn't do anything for them, and they don't need it. Yeah. Uh, I want to say that the Beatles aren't on Spotify, or they weren't. They may be They not. are now,
0: because I listen yeah. to the Beatles on Spotify. I love Spotify.
1: It, yeah, me too. And like when I first got on the paid service for the gym, so mm-hmm. we listened to it while we got classes going on, make yeah. playlists and whatnot. Because we were on Pandora before that. And, you know, Pandora gets commercials. It's hard to moderate what comes on. Like, we'd yeah. be listening to, like, Radiance Machine Radio and, like, had thumbs up some other stuff. And, like, it, like, lumps it into the same genre yeah. as Rage. And next thing you know, you're listening to an acoustic song. Yeah. Like, And it's like you're in the middle of, like, fight training. Yeah, wh-
0: <laughs> while you're trying to choke somebody out, Taylor Swift comes on or something. I know, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, somebody that's, like, really big right now that I'm really, like, kind of a a dick about, tired of hearing about it. But Demi Lovato, like, every time I turn on my Facebook, it's like, do you know Demi Lovato does jiu-jitsu? She's a blue belt now. Did you know about it? Like, every article everywhere. It's either her or Mackenzie Dern. And I'm like, yes, I know. Yeah. I know. Uh, But she sang the uh, national anthem at uh, the Mayweather-McGregor fight. Mm Mm-hmm. And then she has this little hit on the radio and all the girls at the gym are like, yeah, I don't even remember how it goes or anything. Yeah. But I'm not really much of a pop hits type of a guy, but I, I believe Cora is and I know a lot of people at the gym want to hear that that hot song that's on the radio while they're doing fitness kickboxing. Yeah. But uh I I know I'm not really into Demi Lovato in any sense of the word. And like I would be, I'm just like the celebrities doing jujitsu thing, it's cool. Like it's good for the art, but like why do we have to hear about her doing it so much? (laughs) I'm like, can we just go back to hearing about how Ashton Kutcher's not a purple belt? Like, yeah, you know, because everybody's talking shit about Ashton Kutcher's purple belt for a while. But, uh, and then before that, it was like, they can't get Paul Walker post-humanist black belt. That's (laughs) bullshit. Yeah, I get it. But, uh, for whatever reason, I think it's because she's an attractive female pop singer. Mm -hmm. Like they won't shut up about it. And, um, but it is spreading awareness, like I want tons of people to know about jiu jitsu and uh, there's a lot of talk about jiu jitsu in the Olympics over the last few years. I personally don't think it's going to happen. I think there's got to be a lot of refinement in the sport before that can happen. Why and do you think that well like I'm looking at the- trajectory of like Olympic judo mm-hmm. and this the Olympics <clears> and how things become sports through the um i o c in general yeah and <clears throat> a few things so in 68, ironically, maybe it was 64. Okay, I think 68 was the first year judo was an official game. But at 64, there was a demo game. And there was also Sambo. And yeah. all those Sambo people competed in judo and did well yeah. uh, under the judo rule set. And, but there was also so- Sambo as like a, a demonstration, right? And all those people ended up entering the judo game, which is like a summer game, I yeah. in 64. So then judo becomes an Olympic game four years later. And this is after years. Like um, the guy that invented judo was an internationalist. Like he wanted, like he would, he had all of his top bike belts, like take it everywhere. That's how, mm-hmm. That's how. like, judo went, or Japanese jiu jitsu, however you want to look at it. This is a reinvention of Japanese jiu jitsu, went from Japan with this one guy, Maeda through europe uh, i want to say he did some prize fights in cuba he he did, was one of the first people to uh teach in north america his teacher the guy that he did demos with was the guy that taught roosevelt and uh teddy roosevelt yeah like uh who earned his brown but i think he earned his third brown it's like his it brown three two one and then black showed on but then this guy ends up in 1911 i believe it was so 1907 tr was getting all this pressure domestically about Japanese immigrants because everybody in America is racist. Yeah. You know, I'm just kidding. That's a hasty generalization. But, um, at the time they were like, yeah. we don't want any more Asian immigration on the West coast. So they made this thing called the gentleman's agreement, which was basically like, Hey, we're not going to put any like harsh sanctions out on you, but I need you to agree with me, Mr. Emperor of Japan or Whoever was making the making the shot, calling the shots, uh, diplomatically speaking, not to send more of Japanese <laughs> people here, which is crazy. But I mean, you got to think by the, from then to take like Takai George Takai was in a concentration camp in Arkansas when he was a little boy. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, I want to say it was Jerome or Rower. Those are the two places. Like when we went into World War II against Japan, they opened up Japanese internment camps.
0: I knew that, but I didn't know.
1: Yeah. Ironically, George Takai was, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I wonder if that was the summer camp he was talking about. Oh, that was wrong. That's Um, funny. Yeah, he's been in the news a little bit lately. Yeah. But um, so this guy, Maeda, ends up immigrating to Brazil. Mm Mm-hmm. And teaching these people named the Gracies. And that's not that's a fascinating thing. There's a um all uh Portuguese and Brazilian primary sources, uh for the most part, and some Japanese, a book called Shoke, C H O Q U E you can get it on Amazon. It's like mm-hmm. a two parter and super thick, but it talks about all the lineages in Brazil. That learned from the same guy outside of the Gracies, like a side of the history oh. no one knows. It's yeah. like he wasn't just teaching them; they were just in the class. Yeah, and then they reinvented it as BJJ. Yeah, but the whole Olympic trajectory side of it was it had to it had like that guy was in Brazil proliferating in judo, but mm-hmm. he, from what I understand, was kind of a black sheep of the judo community because he would like do prize fights and stuff, and they're yeah. like. We are all about preserving the samurai spirit honor, discipline, integrity. Yeah, You know, so like <clears throat> Bushido values and codes of ethics and honor Mm-mm. and kill yourself with your sword type stuff. Yeah. And I'll cut your head off after you do that to keep it honorable. I That's correct. Cr- that. Dude, seppuku. It's <laughs> like, let's say I was going to commit seppuku. Like yeah. I shamed my family. So I'm going to commit suicide out in front of the town square or whatever, wherever you yeah. do it. But like bear. After I stab myself in the belly with the short sword, I need you to cut my head off. Will you do that for me? Please?
0: I mean, I guess. If that's All really right, what you, you need. Thank you. will bring honor to my family. Yeah.
1: So, But, yeah, fascinating that, like, I mean, and it would always be like you get like, your bro to do it. Yeah. Like, unless it's, and that's what they said. say, that would bring about an honorable death. But, uh, and you couldn't always get your bro to do it. Sometimes, like, you were getting, you were committing seppuku. Most of the time, you committed seppuku because you committed some dishonorable act. Right. And it's like you get your bro, or maybe it's even the um, like they did a scene like this in Last Samurai. Mm-hmm. It's like those guys were kind of bros, like the dude that was training the like uh, the Tom Cruise side of the army yeah. versus the guy the samurai bandits or whatever you want to call yeah. them. It's like they, those two dudes knew each other. You see that scene where the guy's like in the military outfit and mm-hmm. he's like got all the samurai standing around him. Yeah. And he stabs himself and then they cut his head off. It's like, yeah. So, sometimes it could be, I guess, like enemy forces or you're yeah. in uh, the opposition on the battlefield. But, uh, fascinating. But here's the thing so you already have wrestling in the Olympics, right? And you have Greco Roman wrestling. So, you have freestyle, you have Greco, different rule sets. Like, Greco is a lot like judo. So, like, why I could see BJJ being in a game is because, um, it's a lot like freestyle wrestling, it's not the same, mm-hmm. It it's similar. Um, BJJ is the only like fully comprehensive rule set, but even in like the IBJJF, they've made all these weird rules, I think to make it more sports centric, but like Mm -hmm. judo used to be a lot like, uh, you could say freestyle. Mm -hmm. And then over the years from like the sixties, they would be like, okay, I can't touch the legs. No touching the legs. That looks too much like wrestling. We want to keep both of them spectator friendly. While making them two different things, okay. So then it was you can't touch below the belt. You can't drop your knee on the mat. There's another rule you can't you cannot throw someone while they're in a submission. So, like um if I put you in like a kimura type hold, I somebody mouse is out. Yeah, he's out. <laughs> yeah, he's out. Well, I guess that that was uh, that would that would be legal. Okay, because it's like he lifted him up, and I mean. <laughs> I don't know how they would interpret that because he was kind of in the arm bar really before he hit the mat. But I think what they're saying is like um, I could like if you had my collar, I could Mm -hmm. reach under your gi and grab your sleeve and like straighten your arm out and like wing it out kind of weird or a straight position arm bar shoulder lock. And then you essentially have to do a roll out of that. There's some, like, shoulder throw, like, say, an variations, where it just, like, it puts you in an arm or shoulder lock, or there's wrist lock throws. I know you've seen some of those. Yeah. You don't see any of that in Olympic Judo because it's illegal to throw someone while they're in a submission. Okay. It's illegal to grab below the belt. They've made some weird gripping rules, which they just kind of scaled back on. Like, I can't, like, if you grab my collar, I can't strip the grip with one hand. I have to use Maybe it's I strip it with one, I can't do both. I, I don't know, because I don't really yeah. compete in a judo a whole lot because yeah. I think it's bullshit. Yeah. Um uh, uh let's see, there's this, a judo rule set called freestyle judo that you can do all of that, but you still can't throw them in uh do leg locks. It's like all these weird things that you can do in jiu-jitsu, like jitsu is like the MMA of all of these other like freestyle wrestling, folk style right. wrestling, Greco, Sambo. It's like, yeah, we can, we we can do all that. Yeah but then you rarely find uh people that do all of it. Like um Eddie Bravo's like there's three kinds of grapplers in the world. People to pull guard, which is a thing and you yeah. you should be good at it and you should be good at stopping people that do it. There's people that are going to take you down with sick takedowns, maybe judo throws, and there's people going to leg lock you. And he's saying like you got to be two of those guys to be the best in the world. And I would even argue that like dude in 5 years. Yeah. I don't even think there will be three groups anymore in most schools, at least in the United States. And I think that in places like Southern California and New York, I feel like – I mean, you saw the, at the ADCC this year, like Gordon Ryan, the Donner yeah. Desk Squad. Those dudes were single-legging everybody and guillotining everybody. I have a 16-year-old kid that's hanging with A.J. Uh, Agrazam. Yeah. Just crazy stuff like that that um, you don't uh, – You don't see a whole lot in other sports, but it's interesting how the rule set has gone this weird way on Mm -hmm. judo. And the main dialogue that I'm picking up on is how they don't want another gi sport that looks like judo. Uh Because judo already looks like wrestling. Yeah. And we had to change these rules and blah, blah, blah. I think it would be like, well, you got freestyle and Greco and you got judo and jujitsu. Yeah. Makes sense. And um, there's like a thing right now. It's a summer game. It's called the Nawaza game. To where it's like, it's it's a very IBJJF-centric rule set,
3: mm-hmm.
1: but it's like all the ground-fighting portion of judo, It's but they're calling it NAWAZA, which means mat work techniques. Yeah. Real, really interesting, but anyway, that's... I hope jiu-jitsu makes it in the Olympic Games. It'd be great for the sport, like, I guess, Demi Lovato is great for the sport. <laughs> but uh, that's I think that's where we got on this, but... Uh, I I don't know if we'll see it or not. There's a lot of people that think we will. Pedro, um, Jimmy Pedro, he's the like one of the Olympic coaches for the US team. Mm-hmm. Caleb from Inferno just had uh, lunch with him a while back, and he's who sold me my uh, new mats at the gym. We just got new mats. Yeah, he's one of the owners of Fuji Mats, and he was saying that he thought that like Caleb and I would be like in our fifties before Jiu-Jitsu been Olympic game, and he's plugged into like some knowledge of the yeah. goings-on of the Olympics and whatnot, um, or the IOC or whatever you want to say. But anyway, yeah, we'll see. Do you, do you watch that documentary um, about Olympic doping?
0: No, Icarus. It's on my watch list. I have not had a chance to watch it yet. Dude,
1: I'll was, I was say this. So when you watch that, mm-hmm. go back to Director was on Joe Rogan. Did you mm-hmm. watch that? Brian Fogle? Yeah. Just as good as he tells the whole story. But you really – I watched Icarus twice. I watched it before, and I wasn't – I didn't really – I I watched it and like fell asleep because it's the end of the night. Yeah, and then like started rewatching it, and then didn't get all the way through it. But then like I saw Brian Fogel and Joe Rogan and watched all of it. Yeah, and I was like, oh my god! But then I in between that, right around the same time, Jeff Novitsky and Lance Armstrong were on Joe Rogan in like the five hundreds or something. And yeah, and Novitsky just came on again. Yeah, so like Icarus, those two Novitskys and Lance Armstrong podcast. Like really, really give you a lot of information on doping and yeah. how it's going on. Um and I mean that's a topic they talk about all the time, but what uh, what do you think is gonna happen with John Jones?
0: Um I have no idea. I think I think John Jones may be the first what we see in MMA how you know how football players football is such a popular sport that football players do fucked up things and then they're still allowed to play. Like yeah. they gotta they gotta like pay some fines, <laughs> maybe miss a couple games, and we're all just gonna look the other way and pretend like this never happened. Well, MMA is starting you didn't beat your wife. There's no domestic yeah. abuse yeah. here. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and so like MMA is becoming more and more popular, and I think that John Jones <laughs> is such a stud in the ring, I think he'll be back.
1: I, I could I could agree with that. Yeah. It's uh well and two, they were saying and I, I don't know i i'm not I've never taken any performance enhancing drugs that I know of um, yeah. but they're saying that uh John Jones, you know there might be a technicality might be it's like you're already opening up that loophole, yeah, but here's the thing like well, he tested uh, he tested clean two times, Nowvitsky was saying this, and I'm like, dude, if you don't think John Jones is getting blood transfusions, yeah, you're crazy, like John Jones is a millionaire. John Jones has the resources to put the right people around him to make sure that he does not fail those drug tests. They tested Holly Holm nine times, uh, which they just said that. That's how I know they said on the, the Novizki yeah. episode. Out of, I think it was like leading up to the cyborg fight. hmm and they're like, well, you know, there's been really no allegations about, oh, dude. I've heard tons of allegations yeah. that Holly Holm does performance enhancing drugs. Yeah. And we'll talk about the ones I heard and why people are saying she did it online. I'll actually pull it up on my phone while we're talking. But uh, <coughs> there's a there's a, and it, I mean it could be a Photoshop picture. I don't know. But there's a picture going around out there that's like Holly Holm PEDs. Like I'll just yeah. Google it and it'll come up. But um, I th- like. On that uh, Icarus, uh, if it was Icarus or it was Brian Fogle one they were like, you cannot win an Olympic gold medal, which I'm going to say you can't win a UFC title fight, yeah. without performance-enhancing drugs. So, And we're not going to tell the audience what we're looking at here, but this is why everyone thinks that Holly Holm is on performance-enhancing drugs. Yep. Yeah, might make uh, might make that happen. But it yeah. could be photoshopped. I don't know. Yeah. You know. This could be an Eddie Bravo moon picture.
0: It could be. I don't know. Holly Holm, Flat Earth, 2018. It's the new conspiracy.
1: Yeah, man, that was a good fight. We're gonna. One of my guys and I are gonna break it down on. Um,
0: you talking about the Holly Holm Chris Cyborg fight? Yeah, we're gonna. Uh, yeah. yeah,
1: we're gonna. Re- we're gonna rewatch the main card. So we're gonna watch the Condit fight again. We're gonna watch. Um, the Khabib fight and the Holm fight. We might watch. I oh think my there's. God, five. Khabib. Khabib, yeah. There's a lot of people that think no one can beat him. Do you see where uh, – It's so like Tony Ferguson is an Eddie Bravo 10th Planet guy. Yeah. And he was so pissed about Joe Rogan wearing that hat mm-hmm. that uh, Khabib gave him as a gift. You know? Yeah. He's like, oh, what are you trading in your 10th Planet gear? It's like, dude, that's the the political side of this that, like, people – Even at that level, it's like Joe Rogan is like one of the – Like I used to say he's a first-generation 10th Planet bike belt. Yeah. I know Tony Ferguson just got his white belt, but it's like – you know, this weird stuff that creates uh creates division. I guess people get their feelings hurt because it's like, dude, Khabib's a badass fighter. You can't be a fan of MMA and and hate awesome fighters. The only thing right. I don't like about Khabib is you never know if he's going to make weight. I hadn't got to see him fight a whole lot recently because of those types of issues.
0: Right. Oh my gosh, and Edson Barboza's heart. Dude, like,
1: I know in the third round, he was kicking super fast. Like, yeah. I'm like, dude, how are you still kicking that fast after yeah. having getting taken down having to work yourself up?
0: Yeah, that was Man. crazy. I was uh, in Mississippi watching that fight, and I was at my girlfriend's family's house, and they uh, nobody there watches UFC. Everybody there watches football, and so – I've got Fight Pass. I'm using my phone as a hotspot, and I'm in the corner with my laptop trying to watch the fights. And everybody else is talking about, you know, the OU game or whatever. Yeah, dude, I don't, I don't watch a lot of football. I haven't.
1: Uh, I said this on air the other day. It's
0: like uh, in our state, it's like
1: everybody knows this. I'm like, no, I haven't watched collegiate football since Reggie Fish dropped that ball. <laughs> like, dude, I say that to Arkansas football fans, and yeah. they're just immediately like, shame. Yeah, like, shame. That's shame. funny. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, the Arkansas Razorbacks, the college football team of our end of the SEC, is not good and has maybe never been good since I've been a teenage or grown man. Yeah, they were good once, and then they squandered that on the game I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. That was the season, dude. That Darren McFadden. Darren McFadden. Where, where is he playing at now?
0: The, uh, he, he was in Dallas, but I don't think he's there anymore.
1: So what? So Phyllis Jones went to the Cowboys.
0: And oh yeah, then, that's and right. Then D Dmac went, D- went to
1: Oakland, but yeah. I, but didn't like so Felix Jones, I guess went somewhere else and is not playing anymore right. or something. But he was doing. I
0: think the Cowboys picked up Demac after he left. I think Oakland. so.
1: I think you're right. I think, uh, so I think the Cowboys was, ended
0: up with both of them.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I, but I want to say that Felix Jones is not there anymore. Yeah. But Dmac is. I think that's what I think is going on. But I mean, they could both be there. And man, both those dudes in the backfield. What, I mean, what, like, Casey Dick was the quarterback, is that correct? Was that? Yeah. Was that who was that when d yeah. was a senior? Yeah. Man, just the raw potential. Because they started out the season. Um, was it that season or the season before they had Gus Malazan
0: and um, that Mitch Mustang. I think that was the season before. I might be mistaken.
1: Dude, I would love it if they would hire Gus Malazan back. I loved the way he was running. Like, it was just like uh, that was when uh, Houston Nutt was on his way out. Because mm-hmm. like, Malazon was on the coaching staff. Again. Yeah. So the, I have a guy at the gym right now that played for Arkansas when Houston Nutt was there, mm-hmm. went with Houston Nutt to Old Miss, right? I think yeah. that's where where he went. Yeah. Um, and then got uh I believe got drafted or walked on with the Vikings and then got picked up by the Colts and even started a game with the Colts. Wow. And tore his excuse me tore his tricep in like the first game he started. Yeah. And now that dude does judo and jiu jitsu, and he's six foot. Eight or Sounds ten? Sounds terrifying. Yeah, he's he's a savage. Yeah. What's so funny is, like, you know how, like, you ever grapple with, like, a smaller person or a female or, like, I grapple with some of the kids in mm-hmm. kids' class, there's an odd number. And I'll even pick the bigger kid. You know, like, and it's still like it's awkward, like figuring out how to grapple with a way smaller proportionate to like you. Right. So like that dude, like his only awkwardness was learning how to how to grapple with like normal sized people like you and I. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm six foot. You're six, eight, six, ten. I can't remember how how tall he is, like two eighty five. He weighed like I want to say, say, weighed three, three fifty when he was in the NFL. I'm like, dude. That's crazy, bro. Matt Hall's his name. He's he's a total savage. He works yeah. at the jail. How would you like that dude to be locking the door on your cell? I might do well, a couple of my guys have worked at the jail and apparently like on any given day at the jail someone might throw poop at you. Yeah. And i might do ain't nobody throwing yeah, poop at Yeah, I'm this not guy. throwing anything. Yeah, that I know, man. dude. It's just like I bet he walks down the block and everybody's like just standing up straight and stuff. Yeah. Too funny.
0: And that's how UFC fighters feel about Francis Ngannou.
1: Oh, dude, he just decapitated Overeem. Oh, my God. Just, like, punched his head off of his body. I was like.
0: Well, Overeem's dead. That's what I was thinking when I was watching that. I was like, well, Overeem's dead.
1: There needs to be a mechanism, and this is a super talked about issue. There needs to be a mechanism to get those people out of there. Like, dude, you remember Chuck Liddell? Like, he got knocked out, like, two or three times, and then they're like, you're done, you're retiring, you're done, you're done. Nobody wants to see this because he got knocked out by Rich Franklin, kind of flukish. Shogun TKO'd him, but he kind of went out. But people go out all the time. It's like Alistair Overeem got knocked out way more times than Chuckle Liddell mm-hmm. did. Um, Rampage knocked him out. Let's see what Rampage Rashad, Rich Franklin, and Shogun. But the the Shogun TKO was not horrible. I felt like it was an er, er, earlier stoppage because yeah. he'd been knocked I mean, compared out a couple to the of other times. ones. But so that's four. Yeah. And all all my memory in the UFC, I mean, he took some damage, uh, but he you know never got knocked out clean. I think just like when they Turned his bell like that, I, yeah. that. That knockout was sick. I think it was a lead hook that he caught him with, and that was like, oh man, Chuck's dead. Like he yeah. got knocked way the f out. And I was, I was super shocked about it, but and sad because I was pulling for him to win. It was like Rampage had just come over. This one, the the Pride merger mm-hmm. happened, and uh, well, I mean, Chuck fought Vanderlay and did fine. Vanderlei. Yeah, it's like if anybody's gonna come at you, it's gonna be Vanderlay. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just – I feel like it's, like, they need a mechanism, like – and I I guess they can't. I guess it's pressure because, like, I felt like there was a period of time when you lost three fights and you were out. Mm. And now you might lose one fight and you might be out if you're not a fan favorite. Like, dude, Benson Henderson, they're, like, you're not – you're. and I have a conspiracy theory on that, by the way. My conspiracy theory is that – so, look at all the problems of the UFC. Like, they got the Fox deal landmark Mm -hmm. they got um the uh, usada landmark like gsp said one of the main reasons he quit is because there was no regulation in the sport of performance enhancing drugs and i still don't think that there is enough they're doing they're doing what they can but it also has like created all these issues and Mm deterrents and barriers of entry and um barriers or continuity for some people like you can't like you can't tell by photo because it could be an after the they just got done fighting photo and everything's flexed out but like right. a lot of people doing those before and after you saw the photos and like, yeah man i just try not anymore to base things off just seeing a photo since so many photos can be doctored i was like i'm doing i'm learning Sorry, a lot about home. yeah yeah <laughs> i'm uh i'm what do learn a lot about photoshop right now so i can yeah. do things for the podcast and it's it's remarkable the things you can do with Photoshop. I love the ones they make on Did You see the star Wars one they made on Joe Rogan. Yes. Joe Rogan's a little Asian girl. Yes. <laughs> I was dying when I saw that bro. But, uh, that's just the cool stuff you can do with Photoshop. I can make a photo of any fighter and, you know, do some after effects on it. Just like shade in their abs and yeah. pump them up a little bit. I mean, it's what, uh, people uh, like Kim Kardashian do mm-hmm. Have they have their own professional people that, ha- you know, create their own images. Cause they're an industry. Right. So I'm um, – I think that there should be a mechanism. Like, okay, Overeem, that's the 14th time you've been knocked out in your career, and that's not counting in gym knockouts. And one more time, you're done. Yeah. Or, like, set a number. Like, if it's three, if it's five, if it's ten, however many knockouts it is. Or, ha- like, because, dude, it's like they say they just found out for a way to check for CTE while you're still alive. So they have oh, to, really? You yes, just have to look at your brain after yeah. you've already passed. But – there's got to be some way to to like regulate fighters. It's like Dana White like personally stepped in on that Chuck Del thing. He's like you're out, yeah, you're done. So I don't know what the answer is, but yeah, I, I don't want to see Michael Bisping fight anymore because right. he's effed up. Like you just he take gets hit like, in his
0: eye goes all the way back in his
1: head, dude. He's, he's like blind. Like, yeah, he's like, I mean, fighting blind. That's like I was happy when Alan Belcher retired because Michael Bisping injured his eye and he had just had a near career ending eye injury before. It's like. Mm-hmm. Uh Mike Winkle, John, John Jones, Holly Holmes coach, he only has one eye because he got kicked in the eye. Somebody's toenail split his optic mm. nerve, dude. I, I oh. got to train with him, he told the story because yeah. he had to wear and I'd seen him wearing goggles backstage at the at the UFC several times, but yeah. um, like just warming up fighters. But yeah, he wears a pair of safety glasses when he works mitts and pads now. Man. Yeah. Crazy. I would hate to have to wear safety glasses because, like, yeah. just, like, working mitts. Like, I worked mitts with somebody, and, and we did bag work, mitt work, and then sparred a couple of rounds this morning um, for the cast. And, like, I mean, I just worked up a sweat, and I was just, like, really letting this person work. It was just a a, a, a lady that trained um, training that's wanting to maybe compete this year. Yeah, We just did some super light sparring. I just kind of bipped her with my jab and stuff, I'm letting mm-hmm. her work on me getting some work in because, I mean, like, if at any time working with somebody, I, just, I mean, she – 125 pounds or something it's right. like 185 it's like i was barely bipping her i didn't have my mouthpiece in just letting her work i just like don't worry about putting headgear on because i'm not going to hit her in the head that hard and i didn't i just bipped her and let her chase me and she got super tired but i even i was just moving around sweating sweating working mitts it's like yeah mm-hmm. it
0: fog those glasses right up yeah fog them up and then you can't see and then you're more likely to get hit
1: Yeah, hold on, let me wipe off my safety glasses so you don't ruin my other optic nerve. Yeah. That's crazy about how how many fighters have had those injuries and why another thing in the sport, they haven't regulated the finger issues. Mm -hmm. They say you have to point them up, but it's like... I think what they could do on that, on fouls, is just get more strict. Did you watch Holly Holm versus Jermaine uh, Durant? Yes. Yes, Did she hit her after the bell that second time and they didn't take a point? I was was like, like, I'm going to turn this off. Yeah. And it's like... you. You're the worst ref ever. Like, like, I get. That's like Big John McCarthy, Herb Dean, Rosenthal. I'm trying to think of some other refs that have refed a lot of fights. Um, Yeah, uh, uh, Mario Yamasaki, uh, Mizugaki. No, is Mizugaki a ref? Maybe I'm just thinking Yamasaki. I don't know. Maybe Mizugaki's a fighter from China yeah. or somewhere. I don't know. But Mario Yamashaki, people people talk crap about those refs. But in my opinion, those are just the best refs that ref and call the most fights and call the biggest profile fights. Yeah. And whatever that dude, whoever he was that was in that title fight, it's like, dude. Like, here's the thing. That was, that would have been a draw if he would have took a point. Mm-hmm. It was 47-48. 40, uh, it's like if it, if you would have done your job, like that's what I hate about referees. It's subjective, man. Yeah. Like literally I was telling a story yesterday about Cora uh, competing in IBJJF in Dallas, and it was zero zero no advantages. She initiated a takedown, came, uh, and then this girl like had her in mount for just a second, and then the girl rolled over in Cora's guard. Yeah. Cora attacks arm bars and all of this. Girl can't pass her guard. Cora had initiated the takedown ref gave the decision to the other girl
0: man then
1: i'm talking like another ibjjf that same year same exact situation but let's say core is the other girl except that there was like no near takedown at the beginning core ends up on top working to pass the guard that girl on bottom attacks no submissions gets no advantage zero zero core also loses the match it's like that just because because literally it's like the ref operating off his imperfect memory. Right. in The match, like I mean, I see refs all the time. less so in IBJJF, but like they're checking their phones, watching another match. I see that in IBJJF all the time. Yeah. I've had to yell at a ref and be like, "Ref, could you please watch this match?
0: Yeah, watch this fight. The one yeah, that's and the it was
1: not in an IBJJF that that happened, um, but. It's just like, look, I need you to watch these people. You're here to protect them. Mm-hmm. And if you do have to make a call after the match, like, hey, this person won. Raise their hand. Yeah. It's like literally, what are you going to do? Look at her. Look at her. She won. It's it's just too subjective, and that's like on, on taking points away. I think there needs to be some real, real delineated, like, yeah. you poke somebody in the eye, and it's like, it happens more than once. You hit someone after the. I think if you hit someone after the bell, if it's like, if you, if there's a, if it's blatant, like right. I felt that was the, I, the
0: first time, I thought it was blatant. The second time, I couldn't believe the fight wouldn't.
1: Well, here's the thing. So, like, the first time, if, it, here's what I look at too on that. If it's one punch.
0: Yeah. It's
1: like, okay. You, you hit but like that Durandomy got at least two punches landed and I felt like this in that first occurrence, I felt like the second one jacked home. Yes. I felt like she hit her hard. Rocked her. And like she sat down on the stool and was like effed up. Yeah. It's like she was sitting there and said something like that one rocked me or something like that. Like yeah. and it's like, yeah. And then, like, Winklejohn and the, the, the guy I talking about with the eye, he's in the corner that, like, they're, they're, like, getting up. Like, the bells are. They're getting up, and, like, they turn around and see it, and they showed it twice. They showed it at the end of the fight, and then yeah. while it happened, they're like, like, so their hands up like, what are you doing? Oh, my God. Yeah. Crazy, man. I, I'm really passionate about stuff like that because, like, fouls are like uh, – I got to train with uh, – we did a – he did a talk. Um, John Hackleman, Chuck Dell's coach. This I don't know who night. it is, but... He's in Glover Toucher's coach. He's okay. Glover Toucher's coach right now. Yeah. And um, he was giving a talk at that Vegas conference I was, I was mentioning earlier. And uh, he's like, well, what I teach a lot of people that don't do MMA and don't fight and they just come here for martial arts and self-defense, it's mm-hmm. like we teach them how to not get fouled and how to stop fouls from happening. He's like, because Glover Toucher was in the room yeah. at this um session we were at. And he's like, Glover's here on the front row. Ask him what it felt like when Gustafson poked him in the eye, ask him that if after the fight, his eye was not hurting anymore. As a matter of fact, his eye was hurting for a week so bad. He couldn't even drive a car. Like, I mean, like literally like, not just like debilitating in the fight, Debilitating more than any other damage he took in the fight for seven days was his eye that got poked not more than once. I think it was like two or three times. Yeah. But he's just like, he, how he he broke it down. He's like, imagine you getting poked in the eye, not even super hard, just kind of like, oh, ow, you know, like, just like training. Yeah. And then you just, you know, go on about your day. And he's like, imagine getting poked super freaking hard in a fight to the point you can't see anymore. Yeah. Like you can't hardly even open your eye Is it, without it hurting. You know how you poked in the eye and you just want to close, yeah. you just want to close it until it stops stinging. Yeah. He's like, yeah, it didn't stop stinging for seven days. So, God. Uh, I mean, and that's the kind of stuff that cuts your optic nerve or severs your optic nerve that's like, I mean, that was Alan Belcher um, with his eye injury. So like, I think that's like the third instance we talked about eye injuries. I think eye injuries are, I mean, Taking fighters out more than anything. And Joe Rogan beats on the, uh, and he talked about it on the Nowitzki episode, I believe, on the No Gloves thing. Yeah. But it's like, dude, I, I think it was Josh Barnett. I was telling people this. I, was, I, I I just, all the time now, I'm telling people how to make a fist. Like something that I, I like. I, there's a bunch of papers published on like, on like medical journals about how the thumb only covers your first two fingers and not yeah. the other two, so these two break commonly. But I think it was Josh Barnett in one fight because of the MMA glove and how hard people hit. And you see a heavyweight broke this bone right here between his pointer finger and his middle finger. Yeah. Dude. And, like, typically, like, people damage their thumb throwing overhands or whiff and hit their, their mm-hmm. pinky and their ring finger's not covered. But, yeah. dude, when you're breaking between that pointer finger and middle finger, like, all the way down to your wrist, like, it, like, looked like it was split in half like a wishbone oh. on the x-ray. And I was just like, <laughs> but, dude, I mean, that's like, what what are the fixes for stuff like that? I don't know. I don't know.
0: What would it be like to be that, to be able to punch that hard you just split your hand like that?
1: Well, you gotta think like uh and I know they were kinda saying the machine's like super old or whatever, but Nganu – um Nganu, whatever his name is yeah, Francis. Nganu. We'll call him Francis. So yeah. Very good old Francis. Very, yeah, very very non threatening name. <laughs> hey Fran. Yeah. Um But uh, they say he was hitting the like the gel dummy or whatever and registered like a, a harder punch than anyone ever or something like just like Ivan, I believe Ivan it. Drago and Rocky yeah. Ford. Just whoosh. Right. But and too, and I wonder, like, I, like when you get to that level when you're about to fight a heavyweight champion, and I don't know anything about this dude and what he's doing other than he looks like a savage when yeah. he does open workouts and when he fights. But it's like at that level when you're about to fight Stepe, and you've got some money and you've been doing well and you're getting endorsements and sponsorship money and blah 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 blah. What are you doing with that money to ensure that you're going to win outside of camp? That's like the John Jones thing. It's like, I think that dude is doing blood transfusions. Yeah. And I think he's spending his money, what he perceives to be wisely. And I mean, I can't really knock him for it because how many other people are doing it? Mm -hmm. it, I think this, I just like, and and I've heard uh, several people say this. It's like, just let him do it. Because you cannot regulate. And the odds show this. I was looking at an article the other day cuz I want to I want to do some spots on like I'm going to do a sports unravelled side where we mm-hmm. just talk about just MMA or well, I don't know what we're doing right now but, Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> where we just pick a fighter and we break down like hey here's five fights that were, you know, led to the deep, the downfall of Michael Bisping's career. oh, uh, and stuff like that just yeah. be like like, just start with the Dan Henderson fight, and no, here he got knocked out by Vitor Belfort. Uh, here he got knocked, you know, the yeah. first uh, Ru- Luke Rockhold fight, and uh, here's where he injured his eye, and here's how many fights he had since he injured. Just, just break down real stats that mm-hmm. give you the data to be like, why the f is this dude still fighting? Yeah, you know he used to be a DJ in um, Great uh, the UK. Dan Henderson? Uh, no, uh, Michael Bisping. Uh-huh. DJ back scratcher. He played to turntables tables backwards behind his back. Bi- <laughs> Yeah, DJ Backscratcher. Uh, that that's that comes up. My buddy Colby tells me that yeah. all, every time Michael Bisping comes, up, he's like, DJ Backscratcher. It's funny. That's
0: a wrong DJ in the club to pick a fight with. I
1: know, <laughs> dude. Right. Um, Michael Bisping, he got in, like he, that dude's a bit of a hothead. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that dude's on steroids just because he's like, uh, he is a hothead. Like, he got yeah. in a fight with somebody. He's like his former manager or something, like got in a, like a shoving match, flash punches thrown outside of a courtroom the other day. Really? Yeah, because he ended up having to pay the dude a bunch of money. Yeah. So, but yeah, they like outside the courtroom, there's like a, a scuffle. Hmm. So, super interesting. But, uh,
0: what was his manager doing? And he's like, you know what? If this gets physical, I'm going to stand here and get physical with Michael Bisbee. If I was Michael Bisbee's manager and Michael Bisbee wanted to get physical with me, I would run the other direction. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I feel the same way, dude. It's like, or would I be like, I'm going to let Michael Bisping beat my ass a little bit. So I can get some more money. money. Right. Yeah. This is funny. But uh, that would be like the number one thing I wouldn't want to engage with him. But it's like, dude, if you're going to be a crazy person and beat my ass, like I'm going to sue you. Oh yeah. You got like, but dude, I want to say that dude took him for like a few hundred, like $500,000 or something. I'm like, money that he wasn't paid during a certain time that he was manager. And mm. so that's like, dude, when I see these fighters at that level and why people it's like, they're always talking about the, the gap, like the dispari- uh disparity between like a, an entry level USC fighter. That's yeah. not really in the top 10 or not getting those fights versus like the people we're talking about, the Michael Bisping's and guys. Right. Those dudes are making the bank. They're an industry. Mm-hmm. Like Floyd Mayweather is an industry. He's not just a fighter. Like There's people who make their entire living off of his existence. Yeah. That's what blows my mind is like, yeah, this dude over here doesn't have a job because he's basically in Floyd's entourage. Right. And and what does he do in Floyd's entourage? I don't even know. Gets paid? Just gets paid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're we're going to you- be there someday. Yeah. But just not in Floyd's entourage. We'll be no. in our own entourage. Yeah.
0: I'll be in yours. You'll be in mine. That's what what do you know. uh, think about? The lightweight division and Conor McGregor.
1: Man, I just want I, like the thing that annoys me with all divisions is like I think interim champions are bullshit. So do I. I, I get that, and that's like that dude. That's such a taint on Cormier's legacy. Mm-hmm. No one believes he's the real champ. Right. That's sad to me mm-hmm. because he's legit, dude. Daniel Cormier picked Josh Burnett up in a high crotch and made him, like, dumped him, and he did did a flip yeah. in the heavyweight division. This yeah. is before he moved down. And what's crazy, too, is that Cormier was doing that stuff. I think he was 37, 38 years old. He's 40-plus now. Yeah. And is still hanging. Uh, but, like, I hate it when divisions get stalled. Like, it's like with the Khabib thing, it's like, dude, I want to see you fight Tony Ferguson. And yeah. You robbed me of that because you can't, you're not like, that's what I was saying about like the performance enhancing drugs. It's like, in John Jones's mind, who has no problem making weight, mm-hmm. that's how he spends his resources. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm fairly sure. Yeah. I mean, I hate to just throw a dude under the bus, but it's like, what is, you know, how many times have you been busted? Right. You know, for whatever.
0: And that's the times he got caught. That's not necessarily how many times he did it. I know, dude. That's, that's exactly it. And like yeah.
1: when he was talking on Joe Rogan, when he was on, he's about the dick pills. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, I would just go out and just do cocaine and do all this crazy stuff. That way, if I lost, I hadn't. And it's like, dude. Like, he had a back door so he wouldn't feel bad if he lost. Yep. And, and it was like, I'm always going to go super party. And then it's like, and that's how like he made that comment to Cormier. He's like, dude, I beat you on cocaine. Like, it's like, God damn, bro. And that's this, that's the stuff that's like makes Daniel Cormier look like a little sissy. Yeah. Because it's like, dude, you couldn't beat this guy because he's on performance enhancing drugs or whatever. But really, you're, you lost to him twice. And after the last loss, you're still champ. And before that, because he is out before, you yeah. get the, the championship and unify with the other. And it's like, man. That's why I wanted to see Khabib fight Tony Ferguson. I still want to see that. I mean, dude, Eddie Alvarez back in the mix yeah. um, blew my mind. He beat Justin Gagey. And then Justin Gagey, I heard that on Joe Rogan. On the, I love that he's just doing the MMA. I know. I that. like
0: that too. And he's like,
1: yeah, said it's the best thing that ever happened to him. I'm like, <laughs> dude. Because I, when I saw Justin Gagey fight Michael Johnson live, I, I was blown away. Yeah. I, I rewatched it the other day. It ends in the second round. You're just like, Oh oh, yeah, and then like you're like, is this are these dudes okay like somebody send somebody in there to check on' them, just to be sure because they just beat the dog crap I mean, I've never seen a round go like that, and then it kind of really get to that level intensity for a for a time in the second round, yeah, I mean you have like, but it's it's kind of like uh you usually see it it's finished, like i uh, remember Pat berry versus Chet Congo. you ever see that one? No, I haven't seen that one, so Pat Barry just totally um gets knocked out in the fight and like I believe mean, it's the first round, but before that, he dropped Check Congo like four times in twenty seconds or something. This is like bam, Check Congo's out. And it's like, oh he's out, oh my God. Gets back up. They're going. He drops him again. They're like, Check Congo's gonna die soon. Yeah. You know, and it like drops him again and then checks over against the the fence and it's like three or four times he's been dropped and just whiffs an overhand and just Barry not only went down but out, yeah, and I was like, Whoa, come along. Uh, what didn't Pat Garrett Barry get like rear naked choked by Mirko Krokop? I don't know. I was thinking he submitted Mirko, but then I was like, No, Mirko submitted him, and that's embarrassing. Yeah, I think it's Mirko Krokop's <laughs> only submission win. Yeah,
0: too funny. What about uh, what is the name of the distinguished gentleman that manhandled cowboy Aroni? Cause I love oh, Darren Till. Yes. Darren Till. Yeah, dude, that people guy.
1: like him and Colby Covington. I'm just like scared. But yeah. like, that's why I say. Like, I feel like in five years, that three fighter model, like you got this. And I mm-hmm. feel like that exists in MMA. They call it like, you got your sprawling brawler. You It's like, dude, you're going to come a time really soon when it's like in like Greg Jackson's camp, I believe and other camps, alpha male. Um, who's another one that I, I like to follow. Several camps bring that to the game, I yeah. feel like, in a way to where it's like they don't be bringing any one-style, one-trick pony people to the fight. They bring people that get submission wins, they get knockout wins, they yeah. get takedowns, they can wrestle in the cage. And you started seeing that a few years ago where you get people come in as, like, complete mixed martial artists. And... um I think we're going to see that a lot more, and I think that people like Darren. I mean, Darren Till, and then uh, what was it, Colby Covington? I can't remember which one of them like lived in Brazil for eight years and like yeah. has all these kickboxing uh,
0: Or um, <sighs> that's a uh, Darren Till. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. just
1: that like you look at the resume, like this dude knows everything. Yeah, this dude's da- this dude's a like high level jujitsu guy. He's got sick wrestling. He can knock people out. He can put legit strikers down.
0: Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, do you think that? Because of that, we're going to see less specialists. Like, we're going to see less of the I, yeah, Damian Myers.
1: I do. And I mean, if you look at Damian Myers' trajectory, it's like he became a striker. Yeah. That's like, I, I do think that. And then the, there's like, there's the Hicks and, uh, Hicks and Gracie's mindset is like, I can fight a boxer without boxing. Yeah. You know, which is, I don't know. You know, I don't know what that, uh, I don't want to think about that. I think it's possible. I think Hickson could do it. I've yeah. seen him do it and he blew, like he did it at that seminar, he's like, Touch my face. And just stood there and like all these bite belts come up, just he's like, just just like this. Just reach just reach and just touch my forehead with your fingertips. Yeah. Just touch my face. So you could poke my eye if you could do that. And like he just did this thing, I won't, like get into it, but like like where he's doing this. Can I make him like a boxer's wedge and fight yeah. with the elbow instead of hand fighting? And he's like, okay, stop me from touching your face. I might. He's like picked one of Alan Belcher's bite belts out, and like this dude, I know his crazy mustache. He's like, no one could touch his face. No one could stop him from touching their face. He'd just be like, boop. Wow. And just right on the forehead, and it's like so he exists on another plane. Yeah, you know, like literally another plane of existence when it comes to fighting,
0: and but for normal humans.
1: Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think that. I think if Crone would have trained with with Hickson a long time, yeah. It might would have been a little different. But Hickson was gone for close to ten years after his first son died. Like just fell off the map, left, went to Brazil, I think and surfed and yeah. became Yoda. So yeah. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah, dude, I'm gonna take a leak real quick. All right, buddy.
3: Then that easy.
1: We're back. Sweet. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's a nice <clears throat> part about doing it this way, which like uh, there was uh, the other day, uh, Cora and I were casting. I just got up and went in the other room and did some stuff because yeah. she was on this big riff about uh, Black Mirror. Yeah. And I was like, I'll be right back. I'm going to go to the restroom, go get a drink, whatever. Mm-hmm. So it is Uh, like I'm looking forward to um, just figuring out all the little things. Like the first couple of casts, I was like, no, like I was like stiff or anything, but I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't hit pause. Or, then you hit pause and like quite literally just pick right back up and it's not even noticeable. Yeah. You can just leave it rolling and just talk to the audience. Or if there's two people in here, like I just got a mic stand yesterday and I've got another mic. It's not as nice as these mics mm-hmm. and I can do uh, a third person. So when I have Flavio, this dude holds the Guinness Book of Records for the longest scooter ride.
3: Flavio. And you're going to have him on?
1: Oh, yeah. He's doing a seminar at my gym, not this coming Tuesday, but next Tuesday, yeah. uh, January 16th. And I'm doing a proud lesson with him. He's going to be on the podcast. But he's like third-degree bite belt, first-generation Novo and Yao bike belt. So like uh and Yao, like Jose Aldo, he and Burrell. Yeah. And he rode his scooter from Teresopolis, Brazil, or, or Rio, uh, Brazil, yeah, to Alaska. What?
0: Yeah. On a scooter?
1: On a scooter, dude. And he's been teaching the king or the sheik, the head sheik, the sultan. I don't know. Is he yeah. sultan? I don't know. And Dubois has been teaching that guy's grandson. That's kind mm. of a big deal, I feel. Yeah. Like. Been teaching in Dubai for like five or six years. It's like super nice over there. It's like uh, the Mecca. There was a um, uh, jujitsu right now. Really? It's, oh, yeah, dude. They had the largest jiu-jitsu class out there, 3,000 people, a couple years ago. And I wow. want to say he was teaching at it. So this dude's coming on, going to talk about that. He's he's here doing some competitions and stuff in the U.S. So
0: yeah,
1: I'm looking forward to having him on. And then like two weeks after that, we're talking about Hickson a second ago. I have Jack Toffer on mm-hmm. who's doing a seminar. He just did a four-hour private with three-and-a-half, four-hour private with Hickson. Oh, I know, dude. So, <clears throat> But, yeah, Hickson doesn't think you need to – doesn't think you need to actually train boxing, yeah. but train to not get hit by a boxer. There's this, um, someone just told me about this, and they're like, hey, when you said that, because I was telling them this, like, same story about Hickson. Yeah. They're like, have you heard of, I think it's Melanchomas, M-E-L-A-N-K-O-M-S. I think that's how you spell it. I'll have to look it up because it's a, um, possibly a mythological guy from, like, ancient Greek history that was mm. a boxer. And he had, all, and like, maybe an Olympic boxer. But he had all of his wins, but he never threw a blow and never got hit. So he would, like, duck, dive, dodge, and dip. Yeah. Dodge wrenches. I don't know what he was doing. But he was getting out of the way, and these people would fight him to, like, exhaustion. And he would win that way. Oh, wow. Like, he would just, like, slip, slip. Yeah. weave slip slip weave like wouldn't hit them let them punch themselves out and go to exhaustion and he was just literally like using agility yeah some some historians think it, that he wasn't a real guy yeah but uh, i don't know I, this is a fascinating story but they're like hey have you heard of this and i'm like no i haven't not really yeah not not in the way i'm reading on this wikipedia page right yeah and um they're like yeah this reminded me of what you're saying about hickson so
3: it's
0: very cool i've never heard of that guy either
1: yeah, now which I'm, man, there's, really a, look him up. there's a professor, I don't know how long you've been at Tech, but he actually passed away last year. Um, but I took him for as many classes as I could. And this class was offered when I first went back to school in '09. but, like, it was like I was too nervous to take it. It was like I was just going back, and it was like a 4,000-level course. It was yeah. Greek and Roman history, but with uh, David Krieger. No, I never had him. You, you ever hear about him? Uh-uh. This dude was old school, man. He would walk in. Knew exactly where he was from last class, like like mid-sentence, if it was. Oh, didn't, wow. use a, didn't use a book, didn't use a watch. He would take his watch out, a, a pocket watch, and put it on the podium, but he would never look at it. And he'd be like, well, uh, the the weather is going to be this, and uh, last time we left off here. Like, he'd just give you a little, like, here's what the weather's doing, here's what my flowers are doing, like some yeah. little comment. That's like, man, that's like thanks you know for whatever you just said <laughs> yeah and it's like like a daily daily little events thing and uh but this dude would just lecture
0: that you'd have to know your material so well to be able to i was talking to him one
1: time and i, I mean i was just like pulling him i'm like hey have you ever taught the class world war ii you know yeah. blah, blah, blah. what the classes i was taking as i mm-hmm. talked to him periodically like after class and stuff and one day because, like, a lot of classes I took him for were interrelated. Like, mm-hmm. I took him for Enlightenment, which was really related to French Revolution, which really related to the history of England. And he just, like, really tied all those things together. He even hit on the Rosetta Stone part of, like, the Napoleon story in ancient Egypt. Yeah. For a seminar I took him for and in Napoleon, the French Revolution class. So the dude was just, like, able to tie it all in and bring it to, like, Current day and everything. And like mm-hmm. one time I so saw him like, So if you taught this, if you taught that, and he's like, I have taught all the classes here at Dick. Whoa. <laughs> for in the history in the whole catalog? He's yeah. Like he's like, I've actually taught every and when he retired, they took one of the classes he taught that was like a three part class. It was like three different classes and they made it into one. And I was just like, oh. yeah. like the Enlightenment the French Revolution and the Napoleonic era they made that all into one class and they might have even packed something else into there i can't remember but it's just like they took three courses and distilled them down into one and i was like man what a bummer and yeah. i got to and then to, coincidentally i'm teaching civ 2 and a lot of the um a lot of the topics like almost all the topics that they want you to cover i've had a whole class on. so i'm like and a lot of those classes were with that guy, so it's just like bored into my into my medulla up here. Yeah. So. So you got any dates coming up, man? Like um, what's uh, what's going on in uh, uh, the future for you?
0: Yeah. Um. Kind of answer your question from earlier too. I uh, do mostly open mics during the week, and then I have been started to get booked on the weekends, traveling, doing some shows. Nothing in Little Rock, but I've done some paid shows in Oklahoma tennessee texas around <coughs> nice Just, man yeah really cool but like little small dive bars things like that um i will be at the looney saloon that's in Miami, oklahoma <coughs> march 14th through the 17th they're having a march madness competition oh nice and i'm one of the comics on that how and many how
1: many uh other comics are going to be there 40
0: wow yeah Something like like that. That's cool,
1: dude. That's got to be a cool event just to be a part of.
0: Yeah, it's fun. And I know most of the comics that are going to be in it. Mm -hmm. And so – and a lot of them is like they're from Kansas City. I'm from Russellville. So I have met them when we met and did a show in Tulsa. So it's cool to see them again. Like see – hear their material, how it's evolved. and It really is. You know,
1: I think that like what we were talking about earlier, like that's probably it more than anything is – Like when you go to to high school, for example, it's like you're a part of 11th grade or a part of the high school or the junior high or whatever. But that's just – I don't know. That's different to me than being like – even in football, like I was on the team and I have a a, a student right now that's kind of dealing with this um, with team sports. It's just like – so on the team, but he's, you know, like kind of an outsider, yeah. not really like a key part of the team, but, but could and should be. I mean, yeah. it's, not, it's more like a, a an issue of just like, he just moved here. Yeah. And, you know, there's weird dynamics like that that, that offset the actualization of potential. Honestly, mm-hmm. it's like I tell people this all the time. Cora sat on the bench in basketball in junior high. And yeah was like convinced that she was not athletic wouldn't be anything and then goes and beats a girl with like 33 fights, her first kickboxing fight. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, well, it sounds to me like your coach just didn't actualize your true potential. Right. You know, I'm not saying that I, I was that coach for her, but it's just like, I was just, she just had found her thing. It's mm-hmm. like, but, what she found is, like, her tribe, like, now she's a part of this community, the martial arts community, the kickboxing community, the jiu-jitsu community. She's not a part of the boxing community because she doesn't want to box.
0: Yeah. That's exactly how she I said. feel about comedy.
1: Yeah. I mean, it is. It's like it's—it's it's almost like a tribe. Mm-hmm. It's like – that's how I feel about, like, almost in, in – I feel like I can mesh pretty well with anybody because I'm like, yeah, dude, how how you probably do your comedy is probably similar to how I do my jiu-jitsu, right. you know? And right. So. That's like a, a mutual respect thing mm-hmm. that I, I have um, – I have, I have a lot of respect for anybody that can take anything and make a niche out of it. Yeah. Because I've had to do that. That's yeah. like my whole existence and both of my mortgages hinge right. on being able to take an idea. Like when I go give talks to high schools and stuff, like motivational talks or, or whatever they want us to come in and do, I'm like – so I went to Barnes & Noble, and I – purchased the book How to Run a Martial Arts School for Dummies and I'm like but I'm lying because no one ever wrote that book yeah. because it's just like such a niche thing it's like I mean I'm sure there's some like I mean, like really though, if you have to get like a how to be a stand up comic book, is right? It, you know what I'm yeah, saying? You're not, I you're not gonna. Like I tried to do that one time for music. I was like, man, because like I'm kind of like a David Gilmore. Like yeah. I've written lyrics to go with a lot of like I've written a lot of original songs, like musically. Mm-hmm. I never read a lot of lyrics. It's like not writer's block or anything. I just not. It's not my strong suit. Mm-hmm. Like one time, I picked up a book like songwriting for dummies. It, it was something like yeah. that, but it wasn't for dummies. It was like a. It was a book on like. Methodologies it was, a, it was a pretty good book But still I was like I am I feel like a fraud here If I'm trying way too hard Which not to say That book learning Makes you a fraud it, It's like That's just one of those things I feel like Like Todd Snyder That guy that um, My friend saw in concert Last night He's gonna come on Talk about later today No I bear No one tells Todd Snyder How to write a song He right. just does well, it. It's awesome
0: um, It's funny When I first got into stand up I did the online Master class because i saw dude, I the ads do set. one of those i Who'd did one i did steve martin's no! yes i did Y'all, dude that's but awesome it, it was great and steve has some amazing advice that i'd still use but also it's like when you're learning from steve martin it's not like you're gonna hear how to how to from steve martin all of a sudden you're gonna get on stage and be steve martin
1: no it's like a it's a progression thing yeah i feel like um like tidbits I, that but man i love getting my information from like like what I love about martial arts and like probably like you're saying, talking to that guy or taking a Steve Martin masterclass mm-hmm. is it's like, I love getting things through the oral tradition. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I'm passing this to you. <coughs> excuse me. With this masterclass or whatever it is that we decided to do. Yeah. And um, did I wanted to do one of those? I think it would help me at the podcast. Plus, I'm a geek with uh, Scorsese mm-hmm. or Ron Howard, bro. How yeah. many sessions was it? How many videos?
0: Um, I don't remember because <laughs> I, was, I got like three-quarters of the way through, and then Masterclass, for whatever reason, because I'd logged in through Facebook, it wouldn't let me log back. Like when I log in, the Steve Martin class isn't there. So I don't know if it's like as expiration or whatever. Yeah, I don't know if it expired or what happened. So I haven't actually finished it, but it was several. I mean, I spent several hours. Yeah, I, I want to say it.
1: the Scorsese is like fifteen, like fifteen videos. And yeah. it's, um Like they vary in length, and like yeah, an hour to plus. Yeah, but so.
0: that's I love um, that class, but also talking to older comedians and like because they'll, I mean, it's just like in jujitsu, like in. Once you've invented the wheel, there's no reason to go back. Once and you
1: train with Hickson, people can't touch your
0: face. Yeah. And I, so, dude,
1: I, I'm telling you, like, when I came back, uh, my judo instructor, who's 73, Mr. Mm-hmm. Dean, I think yeah, you met him. Yeah, I met him. He was like, um, you're enlightened. And I was like, <clears throat> he was just watching me teach the concepts I learned from Hickson. Yeah. I taught the crap out of him. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, he's like, for whatever reason— about this hip throw you learned from Hickson and defending the Osoto and, you know, stopping the people from getting your grips or whatever. Yeah. He's like, you just, you're enlightened on these things. And I was like, thanks.
0: Yeah. That's a pretty big compliment. It,
1: it was, man, because <coughs> I see that dude as enlightened. You yeah. Know? And, and, and humbly speaking, I mean, I don't I don't see myself as one of the greatest – coaches or anything in the world other than like i have a drive and a determination to better the process and the product and everything i'm doing in every area yeah and that's like the thing about me like i'm 30 years old and we have the boxing club we have the judo club we have a bunch of people that do jujitsu gi and gi. probably our biggest sect of the kids who do mma or jujitsu And then the adults to do kickboxing so it's really like five things yeah boxing kickboxing judo jiu jitsu and mma mma kind of weaving it all together obviously but i have to you have to balance everything out over all of those things i study Mm -hmm. all those things i've always studied all of those things study boxing super intensely since 2013. always done kickboxing have always done mma have always done gi and no gi have not always done judo but now i'm a black belt in judo so it's just like I'm always reassessing things through the lens of each one of those specializations. Right. So even when I do judo anymore, it's like a it's a very mixed thing. You know, it's it's like it's crazy how it layers up, you know, so to speak. Yeah. Well, uh so like who are some older comics you like to listen to? Like
0: I like Joe Rogan's my favorite. He was my inspiration. You're Joe Rogan's in his
1: fifties, bro. I know. That's remarkable. Come a long way since the Fear Factor days.
0: Yeah, um, I love Dave Chappelle. Joey Diaz, obviously. Um, F- fucking Momo. Yeah. Uh, Brian Callen's latest special. Did you see it? I haven't watched it yet. Well, I, I saw, saw it, it on there. What well, doesn't
1: Ari Shafir have a new special on Netflix? Or was that an older one? I haven't seen it though. I want uh, to watch it.
0: I don't think it's a year old yet. Ari fears but it's, it was released a while ago.
1: Yeah, I just noticed it, man. Um, and, like, that's something on Netflix, like i'm getting more into um like i may even do so like uh, anything that's like a streaming whatever mm-hmm. that we watch we're doing that after the show spot on yeah so like corn i did the black black mirror season one through four colby and i did the season eight game of thrones i thought about doing like because what we're doing is a netflix original oh. after the show netflix originals yeah and everything we do we put in that playlist on youtube yeah um but then we're doing, like, an HBO, so like, True Detective, Game of Thrones, Westworld. Yeah. Dude, I cannot wait for season two of Westworld. Oh, my gosh. I love that show. Uh, dude, I watched the whole thing, like, four times. Yeah. Like, I've seen all of the Game of Thrones. Like, I'm kind of embarrassed to say it, but, like, maybe, like, depending on what season, because I've seen seasons one through four the most, mm-hmm. but um, just because that's when I started, like, getting into it. But I've seen the whole show at least seven times.
0: Wow. That's a lot.
3: I,
1: I'm not even ashamed. <laughs> but, but, dude, that's just like it. It's yeah. like here I am watching the show seven times. I love it, and I don't even get to get an avenue or an outlet to talk
0: about it. You see, I. I'm sitting here laughing at you for that When I've seen the Joe hey, Rogan specials seven uh, times, dude, and I'll, exactly. like, break them down and analyze them and try to figure out exactly what he's doing.
1: Well, dude, I mean, there is a period of time where I wanted to go to film school. I have a 1,000 hours of video editing on yeah. Adobe Premiere. I did a lot of video editing, made a documentary in college um, over my grandpa, who was at Normandy, uh, and his son coincidentally died in Vietnam at Quang Tri. Wow. So and it was just like a a deal, and it was ironically my grandpa did not want his son to go to war. Yeah, was like literally, and he said this on camera, and I couldn't believe it. But he's like, "Yeah, I was I was trying to convince him to go to Canada, and he didn't even get drafted; he enlisted. Wanted to be like his dad. Man, I know, dude. So it, that's fascinating topic to to do a documentary on. My grandpa since passed away, so that's yeah. I got to do it. I actually have the little tapes that I use to record it. I don't have a camera to get them onto my computer, though. I need to need to get that done because I want to re-edit a different yeah. documentary on it because at the time I didn't have that thousand hours of video editing. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of editing through that project and there's other projects I did with the Arkansas Digital History Institute it, Excuse me, and the K-12 through initiative.
0: Yeah, that would be really cool.
1: Yeah, so, <laughs> but, um, man, I just, like, I, I really wanted to go to film school at one point just cause I had a passion for doing stuff like that. And this is cool because now like I, I play music, but I never really got into like too heavily into audio production or mm-hmm. anything. Like I was there for a while. When I was single and lived in an apartment. Uh, and I had a roommate, but he was a bro and he, he was hardly, he, he was like, he was hardly there when I was there. We had different hours. Yeah. Um, we were both going to school and like he worked in the evening. So like I'd play and record through my headphones and stuff. And then like, got a different apartment Corey and i moved in together and just like i couldn't play like i wanted to in yeah. the apartment because of where we were at and so but now i have this room across the hall music studio full drum kit, yeah. just that bass amp got my record player amps guitars everything in there so i can and like i've got a, a whole other mixer and a whole other place to jack my mac into to record yeah. and that's what we did when we recorded uh that lead-ins for the podcast with Derek.
0: That's really cool. I didn't realize you had your hand in so many pots. I know, I dude. You, it
1: sucks, bro. But like, it it only sucks right now. It's gonna stop sucking when I'm like fifty. I'm sure. Right. <laughs> but that's just it. Like, I've only I've only been doing. Um, I will probably end up being a 12 year belt in jujitsu. Yeah. I've only been training since '06. December of '06 is when I started. So yeah. we're we're here in 2018. So this is my 11th, 12th year of doing what we do. But it's just like yeah, it takes. Eight, ten, eleven years to earn a PhD. Yeah. You know, if I'm looking about maybe going back to get my PhD, I can actually get half-price tuition since so I'm working for a U of A location. Yeah. So I've considered doing that. I would like to do that. Yeah. But I don't know when I'm going to do it. And when I do finally get out there and do it, it's going to take me like three or four years minimum yeah. doing it, you know, piecemeal, like I'll have to
0: do it. Dude, I uh, I wish I had found comedy sooner because if I had – my goal is to have comedy be my main source of income and then use that Dream. to, like, get a study psychology or look at something in philosophy or look up and just learn.
1: Dude, it, that's how I got to tell Cora all the time. Like, um for me, because I had that going on with, with martial arts. And yeah. It, it took me, dude, a long time. Like, I, the whole... I've, I've been doing this part of, of it the whole time I've been back in school. Mm-hmm. So like about the time I went back to college, Caleb's gym Inferno, which now north of his three locations north of Arkansas, more students than anyone in the state, bigger yeah. location, anyone in the state He's like 800 students or something between three locations. Wow. And like his main location, I want to say it's like 500 or something or more. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, they, they moved up to Northwest Arkansas. So it's like, and then after that, shortly after that closed the Clarksville gym that they had started off in that we kept open, closed it down. Yeah. So it's like, that's when I kind of moved up here and started you know, like running my own program because there was, it was either move up there, which I just started back to school. So it's like, I was yeah. admitted to that direction. Mm-hmm. It's like, or you can uh, just do your own thing and we'll totally support you and, you know, his coach, who's now, like, I'm around more than anybody, is like, actually performed Cora and I's wedding ceremony. Danny yeah. Thing. It's like, um, you know, they just supported, supported me. And then when Corey and I got together, because I was doing this before she and I got together, mm-hmm. and then she didn't train for the first couple of years. Yeah. And then I think she's been training six years now. But um, she's, she got super involved and, you know, just yeah. fought and competed all over Florida, all the way to california so
0: yeah i saw that she uh last year switched over to wasn't last year her first mma fight
1: she had a fight on legacy um which she lost a decision i didn't see the judges scorecards but it was just, yeah it was like they would they had a game plan i mean the girl like a the girl we fought her name was like victoria leonardo mm-hmm. she had had like i want to say seven or eight kickbox or seven or eight MMA fights and three kickboxing fights. Yeah. And Cora had, had, Cora's undefeated and had five kickboxing fights and done tons of jujitsu as a purple belt, competed in world's pans, done very well, submitted a Pan American champion and sub only match. So she had a pedigree and it was like, it was an even match, but like they go out and start banging and Cora was thumping her and the striking. this girl would just like, like, like literally eat the shots press her against the cage and didn't even try and take her down. Yeah. Like maybe one time in the first round. And then like, I kind of was talking shit to the girl in the third round because it's like, it literally was like, it was the first fight of the night or the mm-hmm. second fight, I think. Yeah. Cause so they only did like three amateur fights on the card. Yeah. It was Cora's, Cora's debut on legacy. So it's yeah. like, it was a good, it was a good fight. But, um, <clears throat> this girl's just leaning on her in the third round. I was like, Hey Cora, this, this girl, I was like, don't get frustrated. This girl won't fight you. Yeah. She knows what it's like to get. I just started talking shit. Like, yeah. Because right there, like, from me to you, yeah. I'm like, she don't want to fight. She's not here to fight. Yeah. She's here to, to bore people. I just was just saying sentences like that. Mm-hmm. And that girl got, like, like mad and, like, yeah. backed up and went to throw a throw something. Like, core like, kicked her in the head or <laughs> just, like, hit a straight right and rocked her. Like, yeah. like weak in the knees, almost dropped her. And Man. then that girl just immediately went back on. Right. Boom, body clench. And that was, you know, I mean, it's Cora's first fight. Like, mm-hmm. working off of the cage is probably what she has the least experience in. Mm-hmm. Other than, like, I mean, and we spent a lot of time doing that. We do a lot of working on the wall for MMA. Yeah. Um, it's just that was a really good game plan for that girl. But I was just disenchanted that the ref didn't pull him off the wall. It's three-minute rounds another thing. Yeah. It's not like you, you got five minutes. And I and I bet if it would have been five minutes, we would have got some of that. But Yeah. Um, and that the girl why why pull it off the wall because the girl wasn't trying to take it. Right. it's like if she would have been trying for singles and doubles like, and she going was stalling back to strike, yeah it was stalling because she didn't want to get hit and didn't want to mm-hmm. grapple Cora because she's not on Cora's level on mm-hmm. the ground so it's like man it's like a Randy Couture page out of his book dude. that's yeah. what he was doing to Brock Lesnar and everybody was loving it when he was doing it to Brock Lesnar Yeah, you know and then Brock Lesnar TKO'd him but whatever <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, you remember when Randy Couture fought James Toney no so, James Tony's like a super legit heavyweight boxer. Okay. Like, and he came over to the UFC. Mm-hmm. Check it out on your fight pass. It's on there. Okay. And then Randy, like, shoots a single and arm triangles him immediately. Yeah. Like, like, James Tony didn't even touch him. Right. And um, I was at, I took 10. This guy's out here working. Mm-hmm. Um, took him to Springfield for some fights, and they had James Tony there. Yeah. And James Tony was off to the side, like, showing this coach, like, all these dirty boxing tricks. And I'm just, like, over here taking notes right. on my phone. Like, yeah, he pulled it on the drag, pushed the elbow, and hit the lead body. Yeah. I mean, he was just showing all these tricks that he used to do when he fought, and this dude has a pedigree mm-hmm. with boxing. Um, but, yeah, he and he got, like, I think he, he got paid several hundred thousand dollars, I believe, to come fight Randy Couture. Yeah. And it's like, and then Randy, it's like, did what did what the smart person would do. Yeah. Single leg. I want to say he might have thrown like a little kick and then single leg, dumped him. Arm, yeah. arm choke. It's
0: like, yeah. Get it to the ground very quickly.
1: That's why there. someone said that Floyd Mayweather had been training MMA for three years. Do you think that's true? Um,
0: I don't think that's true.
1: I don't either. I think it was just one of those clickbait articles. Yeah. Like- but, uh, I mean be cool if he did be smart if he had been. Yeah. Cuz he, he there's all this talk about him maybe coming to UFC like some like I heard legit talks. I believe they talked about Joe Rogan but uh, Dana White commented on it a, a time or two and Yeah. That's one of the articles I read is like that he'd been training MMA for 3 years and that like they were wanting him to fight in the UFC 3 times and mm-hmm. the third fight be a fight against Conor. Uh, like maybe the disagreement or he had to sign a 3 fight contract and I don't know what the uh, you know they're going to be negotiating. for. Well, I say they're going to be negotiating for a while. They did that fight on a seven-month notice mm-hmm. for the Floyd-Connor fight.
0: It's like once they had an agreement, they're like, we're doing it now. Apparently,
1: Floyd has the power and money to, in a way, and they, they, they test a lot, but, I mean, it's just like we said the John Jones things. To take control, he hires out the testing.
0: I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, they were talking about that on the Nowitzki episode, I believe. It might have been. Uh, what's the dude? Did you watch the dude? that's the Bellator commentator on John. Um,
3: no, I did not. To I gotta, I one.
1: gotta go back and watch that. One. I can't remember. It was, it was at the last MMA show, and I think Nowitzki yeah. was on the one before that. But okay. Then I want to say they just fired that dude. It's the Bellator. The Bellator guy. Oh, but back on this conspiracy thing, I think the Fertitta brothers, because of the the uniform deal, mm-hmm. the US, the USADA wada deal, and. Um, the sponsorships, the whole Reebok thing, the Fox deal. A lot of people think that killed the sport.
0: Yeah. And
1: I'm not saying that I agree with that, but I think the Fertitta brothers have secretly pushed out Jordan Rebney and bought Bellator.
0: Oh, I did not.
1: Mike Goldberg's going to be the commentator for Bellator. How many people like Benson Henderson, Rory freaking McDonald, yeah. really pretty much like ended Robbie Lawler's career in my opinion. Yeah. It's like, dude, they got into it so hard. That Robbie Lawler oh is not God. the same anymore, yeah. bro. Like that that Dos Anjos fight, and he ain't going to be the same after that either. It's like well, yeah. Robbie Lawler is probably done, in my view. It's like I don't want to see him fight anymore.
0: Yeah, like I saw he had a, the good fight against a uh, Cowboy.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean he did, but like yeah, it was that was a great fight.
0: Yeah, three round war.
1: Right. I mean, it wasn't super warish. It was more tamed down in comparison to all of the other fights he's had recently. Yeah. But what was it? Woodley beat him, right?
0: Yeah, Woodley beat him.
1: But then he had those, what, two fights with McDonald. Is
0: mm-hmm. that correct?
1: Or was it just one? I think
0: it was just one. I, I think... just remembered the blood, dude. Oh, my God.
1: I thought they had another fight. I can't remember. I'm not gonna Rory's check.
0: face afterwards. Like, <sighs> I remember two, three days after that fight, I was, I don't know, I was in a car just driving just thinking about that fight. It's one of those fights that happened, and you just – Yeah. It was brutal.
1: Dude, then the, then the cowboy fight, and then the – um then him taking that damage from D'Sanyas. I'm going yeah. to I'm going to look it up real quick. Cuz I I'm curious. I was cuz I was thinking about his uh record the other day about what uh that was weird when I went to Wikipedia, the like, you know, like the very mm-hmm. first page always was a Marilyn Manson album,
3: mm-hmm. Holy
1: Wood. I remember when that was on TRL when I was a kid. You yeah. ever watch TRL with Carson Daly? Uh-uh. Total Request Live on MTV, bro. 330 right after you got off the bus.
0: Dude, when MTV was around, I was like watching Nickelodeon. I know, bro. How old are you? <laughs> 24.
1: 24, right on. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I, did, I, didn't know, I didn't know how you were. I figured you were in the mid-20s, though. But, dude, I'll say this. As someone like I didn't get into what I'm doing till I say so I've been doing – I've been running a martial arts gym full-time for six years. Yeah. And I've been doing it full-time for, uh, four. I was in graduate school before I was able to be full-time. Yeah. And, like, I I used, like, I had to get a surgery. And I kind of used that as a catalyst. And Cora stopped. She was working as a waitress and, um, probably making better money than than anything since. But she started working for the history department and, um then she started running the gym full time with me and that that's that's what not only my only job is mm-hmm. or you know thing that I do other than all the other stuff I want to do right uh that's that's her only source of income as well so yeah. like, we're both able to do what we want to do without having to us uh, it's like dude you are you're talking right now i mean i know you got you have a girlfriend or whatever but it's like it's feasible, man. Yeah. Like, it, it just, it, it like, it's not that it was more difficult to integrate core into the picture. Cora mm-hmm. made the picture more possible, honestly. Yeah. But, um, interesting to me how, uh, I've been able to do, like, <laughs> just literally make a living on everything I want. And I tell people all the time if you would have asked me eight years ago, six years ago, if this would have been the trajectory, I would not have said, yeah. I, I wouldn't even have known. Yeah. But, uh, like, 19 years old. No idea. I didn't even go back to school and have any direction in life until I was twenty three. No direction until I was twenty three. your twenty four, you already you already are you're already arrived like yeah. oh this is this is what and dude I'll say this, like Core Corey's been frustrated with me a time or two over the years because like dude, I'm I'll change my mind. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, nah, nah, I I wanted to do that and I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. But dude, I think there's a lot in that level of honesty. You know, like because I just like sometimes I'll have an epiphany or realize that something's a waste of energy or, or it's not what I thought it would be mm-hmm. or it's not something I'm passionate about. So I just like I cut ties with it. Yeah. And sometimes there's a, a a time investment or a monetary investment that people will keep going on being unhappy. Right. If it's a student loan or whatever. And I just I don't think that way. Like I never thought that way. I'm like if I can't do the things that make me happy, even though they might stress me out, and keep and and, and mm-hmm. you know have a life out of that i'm just not interested
0: yeah that's exactly how i feel about comedy like and it's scary to think about because like you said it is feasible and i see i see open micers that are like coming to shows and they're hobbyists they're like this is you know this is something fun to do on the weekends and then there's also the people that you see oh you're trying to make this your life you're trying to make this your career your business your and your industry you're trying to become an industry right and it's a lot of work. I mean, I I don't, don't get me wrong. I see that it's a lot of work, but I see that it's possible. And so it's scary, but it's also, it's really, really cool.
1: Yeah, dude. I, uh, I totally feel you. Let's check out these Robbie Lawler fights real quick. Okay. This is disturbing. This needs to be one of the fighters that gets
3: talked
0: about. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Okay. When did his career (laughs) end? It ended on the night Rory McDonald was born.
1: Yeah, dude, check this out. I'm just going to start right here. The
0: first Rory
1: McDonald win was a split decision at UFC 167.
0: Okay. November
1: 16th, 2013. So then we move on to... A unanimous decision loss to Johnny Hendricks. I remember that fight. Yeah. Um, which, if I'm not mistaken, was a super close fight, maybe even controversial. But it was a vacant title because mm-hmm. Hendricks had just fought GSP, and then GSP is like, "No, nah, I'm out." Yeah. Um, then he TKO Jake Ellenberger. Then he beat Matt Brown at a decision, who just annihilated Diego Sanchez in the back of the skull with that elbow. Ugh. Yeah. Then he fights Johnny Hendricks again, beats him split decision. So that's two fights with Hendricks, Matt Brown and Jake Ellenberger, and Rory McDonald. That's his, that's five fights. That's UFC 167 to UFC 181. Yeah. Then he fights Rory McDonald again and TKOs him, and that was one the one. Yeah, TKO'd him in the third, if I'm not mistaken. No, I'm at the fifth round. Oh, yeah, so yeah, because yeah, it was round. the last round. Mm-hmm. Well, let me double check. Was it the fifth? Yes, one minute into the fifth round. So um, TKO's McDonald then wins a split decision over Carlos Condit. That was probably Condit's last fight. No, Damien he might have fought Damien Mai between the other night. We yeah. lost Neil Magny. I know
0: he'd been out for a while.
1: Yeah, sixteen months I think yeah. they said. Um, then he gets t- he gets knocked out by Woodley. That's coming off of his last three fights before that were Hendricks, McDonald, and Condit, and they were. Well, Lawler had a pretty big gap. Well, the six months and then another six months. So those three fights were in an 18-month span. Then yeah. he, he loses to Woodley July 30th, 2016. Then he beats Cerrone a year later, July 29th, 2017. So <clears throat> a one-year off. Man, that's some time. I didn't realize he had been running back in the UFC that long. I like, dude, I remember – a classic fight is Robbie Lawler versus um, Nick Diaz or mm-hmm. that's at UFC 47 bro. I have that on DVD. Knock uh, Nick Diaz knocks okay. him out 2004. Wow. You've got it on DVD. I got it on DVD, bro. It's in my – it's actually in that closet right yeah. there in my DVD. I got all these uh, cases of DVDs in them, and one of them is like all UFC DVDs because mm-hmm. I got like Ultimate Fighter Season 1 on yeah. the DVD and stuff like that. Now it's all digital, dude. I can watch all the EBIs, all the Ultimate Fighters, Fight Nights, but I wonder what they're going to do. A lot of the UFC on Foxes aren't on Fight Pass. Yeah. So I wonder if they're going to be able to <laughs> buy that library out since the Fox deal is over. Because mm-hmm. that's what they do with Pride. Yeah. And, so, and, and like, a lot of times i have a, a fighter's contract, and mm-hmm. you get, like, Jungle Fights, uh, Pride, whatever the other organization they fight. Like, all, um, Anderson Silva, his whole career, I believe, mm-hmm. every fight he's ever been in is on Fight Pass. Yeah. So yeah dude well uh man let's go ahead and uh wrap this up go ahead and give uh give the audience a plug on your social media anything um, else you got coming up
0: yeah um uh, i'll be in durant oklahoma sometime next month i'll be in Miami on march 14th to the 17th you can see all this stuff at all my social media stuff it's at bear the comic spelled like my name so b-a-i-r which i
1: never knew until that one time i saw it on paper yep I thought it was b-a-r
0: yeah but it's at bear the comic that's my instagram twitter it's i have a facebook page you can see all my dates there
1: cool 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 yeah, yeah man well uh dude uh it, it's funny when you commented i was like dude you just need to come on bro i would love to have you on because i want to have like that's the thing like i want to have normal people on too don't mm-hmm. get me wrong even though like i really have no normal guest, on yeah. the guest list everybody is like super cool in some way to me <laughs> I Yeah. Mean not, but uh you know it's like i'm gonna have an assortment of professors a guy coming in today like we're riffing on music but dude he's an english professor he writes songs he's, yeah. he goes to concerts he's he's a he's an academic and a romantic and teaches creative writing and all this stuff man and like, I love sitting down and having conversations with him. Yeah. It's just like a bonus. Like, another thing is, like, I feel um I have to be able to have, like, a cro- close circle of friends in or I have guests I have on all the time. And, dude, it's just going to plot that evolution. It's like, who knew when Brendan Schwab was sitting on Joe Rogan's podcast after that last knockout yeah. where Joe was like, hey, hey, let's talk about how you need to get out of yeah. there. How you you really think that and in Brendan Schwab's face, dude? Yeah, I, I I just watched that on YouTube the other day. I I, I rewatched it and, he, and it just kept, he, he kept doing the same face, like, yeah. But tilt his head to the side, like drop his mouth a little more, yeah. And like Joe Rogan just roasting him, but like dude, he's just doing that because he loved him, yeah. Know? And uh, but and it's interesting to, to that to fighter and the kid, which I don't think he was on fighter and the kid at that time. Mm-hmm. Then to to move on, I mean, because dude, Brennan Schwab started in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Goes to Ultimate Fighter Season 10, ends up having a, a decent career in MMA, then has an, one of the most successful podcasts, yeah. and is now successful as a stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. And, dude, to me, that's the American dream, bro. It's exactly right. what we just talked about the last 20 minutes. <laughs> it's like yeah. everybody wants to do – I said this to somebody the other day. I think it was Cora. It's like it, everybody in the, it, at some point in their life thinks that they're special. Mm-hmm. I think like I remember growing up thinking, I still think, it. Yeah. you Yeah, know, not arrogantly or anything. I think th- th- that you're different than everybody else. Mm-hmm. You are different than everybody else. But then I think too, at some point due to the grind of life or how you perceive the model to be, or like I've, I've made really harsh judgments or uh, decisions in life based off of like comments people made to me. Like, we yeah. were like, Oh, I can't, I'm gonna start thinking that way, and then come to find out it wasn't a way I that like even wanted to think. I don't think that way anymore. Yeah, you know, and a lot of it's to do with martial arts. It's like, you know, like I I tell people I sold somebody this today. I was in a private lesson. The guy's like, I used to like not like Eddie Bravo, Mm -hmm. and then I was like, like now, dude, I'm a huge Eddie fan. Yeah, and I don't know why I was an Eddie Bravo fan, but I suspect that somebody close to me talked shit about him that and his book introductions are a little hard. I don't know if you ever read them
3: together. They're funny because
1: he's talking about all this stuff I'm talking about. It's like, man, I play music I was in this metal band and don't forget I smoke weed. I'm going to have (laughs) three pages about it and my girlfriend over here and he just, man, he's just giving his bio. Yeah. And like at the time, I just, I don't know, I had the the feeling that he's like not like, kind of like douchey or whatever. And like I used to not like that his names were all different than our names on techniques and stuff. And now I'm like, dude, I accept like and call a lot of moves like with Rubber Guard. It's like no one else has that. Right. Like like that's a system, and it's, it's actually beneficial now as we've been doing Rubber Guard in class mm-hmm. that there are terms. Yeah. Because those terms don't exist anywhere
0: else. Right, because he invented them. Yeah,
1: I don't have any names. Yeah. I call things like on some of the subs. But still, all the subs he does are pretty much so unique. And yeah. at the time, earlier when I was consuming, I didn't pick up that like his name. And I, I remember not knowing who Gokar Chevichin was. He's this like badass. Like Ronda Rousey trained at him back in the day. Yeah. When she first started getting uh, going, but he's this badass. Um, I think he's from Czechoslovakia or something yeah. like. But he's a leg lock specialist. And there's a technique in one Eddie Bravo's books called the Gokar or the Goker. And I'm like, what? what's a goker? The Gangster's Lean, Monkey Mouth. Like,
0: but yeah. dude, honestly... But like, didn't it, he name all of his moves from when he was teaching? Wasn't he trying to, like, things that the students would remember the move to exactly
1: two that the double benefit of that is it's like anchor points for memory Mm -hmm. a lot of times they don't exist in other systems therefore when you're coaching your guys if they're not a 10th planet person like there is funny i i used to just do and i still do just do high guard and i was in a Mm -hmm. tournament one time and uh i like was pulling my leg down kind of like mission control and rubber guard yeah and this guy was like Hey, he's trying that rubber guard. He's going to go to the crackhead. And I'm like, dude, I don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) Like at the time I didn't, this is like three years ago in a tournament. Um, I want to say it might even, I might've been a Brown belt, but it could have been a purple belt, Yeah. but I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I I, Oh yeah, I'm not doing that, man. You're acting like I am, so I'm gonna yeah. do something else. I don't know what we're doing though. Yeah. I don't know what you were telling him, and he thinks it. It was just like all this big because I was like not running, and that happened actually happened to me in two tournaments. One was in an affiliate tournament, so it was like lower key, and I was just like literally like I'm not doing that stuff <laughs> to this dude that like talks a lot during matches. Yeah, but uh, anyway, it's uh, it's fascinating to how like I really like Eddie Bravo, but. That evolution happened because I evolved, you know. Yeah. Like I, 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 it, I think that too. You're probably at a pivotal point. I've been on this idea that like around like so it's like 23, 24 years old for me when mm-hmm. I like, I really turned a corner and I was like, this is, this is what I am. This is who I'm going to be. This is what I'm going to do. I have confidence in chasing this and. I, they like I've heard scientists say it's when your prefrontal cortex is completely formed. That's why yeah. to say not to do um, like hardcore drugs before you're, you know, like when you're nineteen and stuff. Yeah, it could mess up your mental trajectory psychologically speaking. I guess. Hmm. But um, fascinating to me how rewarding it is to be able to do the things you love. Yeah, Cause,
3: and I mean, me, even though it's stressful at times.
0: Yeah, I mean it is, but for me, there's. I mean, why else would we be here? Exactly. Like,
1: but I think everybody uh, not everybody, uh, so many people surrender that idea that they're not special or different. Yeah. Like I really think like life grinds you down, people making comments grind you down and you don't see yourself as special anymore at a certain point or you go get your engineering degree and you go be a good in, little engineer at the nuclear plant. You, right. you you work those overtime hours and you don't you don't do anything else. You just do this. Do what TV or whatever tells you the traditional model. That's why I think it's so beneficial. You and I don't have TV, yeah. and we can really moderate and get commentary and ch- pick and choose a lot better. I mean, just things like commercials, mm-hmm. or like I was saying, like I have the news ads on my phone turned off to where I don't get them when I click the home screen. Yeah. But still on Facebook, dude. You click that search bar, Korea. Yeah. Da-da-da. It's depressing. Are you still in the military right now?
0: No, I got out. Um, my contract ended and. Commander asked me if I wanted to re-enlist, and I was like, "No,
1: dude, look at you, man. So like, you're about to finish college, engineering degree, yeah, mechanical, mechanical. Nice, yeah.
0: I nice. got, I'm getting the associates in nuclear technology. that my
1: cousin did the same thing, man. Yeah, I'll yeah.
0: probably never use it. Hey, well, I mean, the goal is to never use it. You know what?
1: I always kind of told myself stuff like this, like the John Jones back door. I'm like, yeah. Well, you know, if this whole martial arts school owner thing doesn't work out, I I have this degree, I could mm-hmm. be da 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 da. Which now I'm just like, I, I'm like, well, I was, I'm always wanted to teach history and now I'm going to do that on the side. Right. And, you know, I've made my schedule in such a way at the gym where that's really, I mean, I teach it, uh, one class at 8 a.m. Tuesday, Thursday morning. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I use my engineering degree. I just don't use it for professionally I use it when I'm like, oh, cause I invented a, uh, a type of decoy that swims. Nice. And so, uh, like, well, one of my buddies helped me, but. Like, that's what I use my engineering degree for, stuff like that that well, will you, help me in life. Well, you probably love duck hunting, right? Right, I love duck
1: hunting. So, dude, I got I to gotta, uh, introduce you to my buddy, Maverick. Have yeah. you ever heard of Dunn calling? Yeah,
3: dude, I've got a Dunn call.
1: Yeah, that's Maverick Dunn, bro. We had our f- very first fight on the same card and trained together. He was my training partner. Really? Kickboxing, Maverick Dunn. Did not know his that. Real, his real name's Charles. Charles. Don't tell him I said that, but yeah. he didn't hear from me. Yeah. But how cool of a name is Maverick? Like, when he was a kid, he's just like, no. I love Top Gun and you're going to call me Maverick <laughs> and he wouldn't answer to anything. Else. How
0: cool would it have been if he was Maverick before Top Gun? Like he just
1: bragging rights. Yeah. Uh, this came up on the podcast the other day, Val Kilmer, such an attractive man, like 15 years ago. Yeah. But now he has tongue cancer, bro.
0: Tongue cancer. Yeah.
1: Major bummer. Like, cause there's, uh, I, there's some Val Kilmer movies, not Batman forever that I, <laughs> that I really enjoy. Like Thunderheart. That's yeah. an awesome movie. In the, I think in like Oh four or something, he had a movie kiss, kiss, bang, bang, maybe Oh six with Robert Downey Jr. is like right after Robert Downey Jr. got out of prison, I believe, mm. or jail or whatever for the cocaine episode he went through. Yeah. But anyway, well, dude, uh, keep doing your thing, man. Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Gotta have you back. Appreciate it. Hell yeah. You, anytime uh, you want me. This yeah. is fun. I have a yeah. blast. Well, you're going to be around all semester. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Dude. I live
0: six minutes down the road. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right on, man.
1: Well, uh, We'll definitely have you back. Uh, keep us posted on your career. Follow at Bear the Comic on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yep. All right, man. Are you going to have a website up anytime soon?
0: Um, not anytime soon. I'm, um, I'll
1: let you know how the Squarespace when I'm building yeah. for the podcast works. It's like I've like I got future evolutions, and I send a digital recorder. Yeah. Um, I eventually may do lives. I don't know. I really need a producer, I feel yeah. like, to be able to do lives because – it just, it becomes too much to track. I can't hit a tricaster and take notes on when I need to make edits and and still be in my mixer on the table. Like, but it'll be nice. I've got, I'm going to bring another chair in. I'm going to eventually going to be able to do four spots. And, um, but for right now, this chair here with all these cables and lighting on it is going to be at the end of the table. That way I could have somebody doing producing if I wanted to. So we're right on dude. Well, thanks for coming by man. And, uh, guess we'll talk to you soon, my bro. All right. Thanks, man. All right. You guys take it easy.